I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. In this episode, we catch up with a friend of 10 years. I have admired his ability to navigate a variety of industries, from emergency medicine, law school, driving a bus for the CTA, and eventually anesthesia. He also became a father at an early age, which expedited the necessity to find a job that can support his family. Although this episode encompasses many topics, the common thread lies in maturity and fulfilling your dreams. We are incredibly proud of the person you've become, Mario. I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Mario, welcome to this show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. And uh, how many years have we have we known each other now? Let's see. When did you start? I probably started in the privates. 2012. 2012. So yeah, I think ten, 2012. Ten. ten years. But you, you. Well, 2010. No, I think it was 2012. Because no, I didn't get my I didn't get my EMT until late 2011. I was gonna say I think it was at the end of 2011 because I was already working on the privates before I had Noah and his birthdays. Yeah. October. But you were you were. I this wasn't in my memory, but you were there before I was. That's right. Yeah. Don't right? you forget it. No, I know. Right? <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so, guys, Mario, I mean, the way we know each other is through the EMT life. And I wanted to have Mario come on because he is a wealth of knowledge and he has a lot of variety as far as like the roles and hats that he's worn, including being a dad. Uh, and I think he can bring some insight into how does one generate fulfillment or cultivate fulfillment in any industry? Um, and we, you know, prior to recording, we talked about how things change in our lives. Priorities change. As we get older, we might have more responsibilities um, and what we can call overhead yeah. that we have to provide for. And we're not, no, we're no longer just thinking for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so if we were to, and most episodes follow a chronological order. So if we were to take it back to the EMT days, what what were you planning to do? Like, were you kind of like, were we pre-PA, pre-med kind of thing going down that track for a while or, or fire department role? Yeah. So I think I've kind of always been all over the place. Um, so I wanted to be a firefighter, like coming out of high school. And I think for me coming out of high school, that was kind of like, again, about fulfillment, you know, like I had dropped out at some point in high school and kind of got back to it. Um, and just like started grinding, you know, I did summer school, I did mm. evening classes. So I was just really on this like, yeah, I'm going to work hard and grind and be a firefighter and kind of like, you know, not like outwardly a tool, but now looking <laughs> at my own perspective, it was kind of a tool's perspective. Like It didn't seem like that when I met you on the job. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I was just like kind of like that grind set, you know, like just trying to get myself together. You know, I had sure. been down for so long that I was just like, what do I have to do to, you know, put my life together, put myself together and kind of just keep on shaping this. But, you know, also kind of this like disconnect with what I was 
doing at the time was like, you know, I was at community college, but I wasn't really like all in it. I was still just like, you know, going to house parties all over, you know, Pilsen. But at the same time, you, you were very creative in the sense like you painted, you did murals and stuff like that. Like, did you ever see yourself doing that professionally? Yeah, I think that's kind of what was hard. You know, I've always kind of been this like jack of all trades, but yeah. never the second part, you know, <laughs> master of none. <laughs> but, you know, that's what comes with it when you're kind of like all over the place. So it was kind of just like picking my lane. You know, I was kind of like at this crossroads that I just didn't have to or didn't want to pick one thing. And I was just kind of dragging it along, still going down all these different avenues. Okay. Um, so I guess the original question is like, where was I going then? Or like, what, what did I see for myself? Um, so I knew the first thing to do to become a firefighter was to become an EMT. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once I started working as an EMT, a few months into it, you know, I found out I was going to be having my first kid, you know, mm-hmm. and at that age, I mean, I was a year ahead in school. So, I mean, I think I was like, maybe like 18, mm-hmm. you know, no, 19, because 19. Sam and I always joke like, we, we could have been teen parents on teen mom for like one month and <laughs> they would have been done with us after that, but it would have been enough to be millionaires. Um, yeah, but we had him at 19 going on 20. And I think that's when I was kind of like, okay, what am I doing? Is college still viable? You know, because I think like when you have a kid young, your first thing is like, oh my God, like my, my life, how am I going to do the things that I'm going to do? You know, not life is, it's this like weird mixture of like, my life's over and my life's starting and, you and know, I'm going to be this, but I'm not that yet. You know, it, it's a lot of like emotions, like becoming a parent is at any age, but yeah. there's a lot Especially of external then. factors that are just totally out of your control at that age. And how much, <clears throat> how much uh, parental help did you have with a, Noah? A ton. Oh, I okay. mean, like my mom was super supportive. Um, you know, Sam's family, super supportive. Uh, she was living with her grandmother at the time. Mm-hmm. So like her grandmother is pretty much like her mom, or at least at that point, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. throughout her life, that was like her maternal person. And then, you know, now her mom, well, that's like a whole other thing. That's not really like my story to tell. You can have Sam on here also, <laughs> but yeah, we had a lot of support. We had a lot of okay. parental support. Um, my dad wasn't really in my life. Like, uh, I don't know. That's a whole other thing to get into. So yeah. like, he, growing up, he had a lot of psych issues. Sure. He was a schizophrenic, and at some point, well, bipolar schizophrenic, they took him off his meds, cold turkey, and this guy wigged out, you know, just couldn't couldn't really, like, sustain a family life anymore. I mean, it was essentially, like, the patients we were picking up, you oh, know, wow. just kind of incoherent rambling and, you know, prone to lashing out and kind sure. of just, you know, becoming physically abusive and things like that. So he was out of our life pretty early on. Mm. Uh, but he would come back into it in very destructive ways. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because like we always knew our dad was around from like little things and me and my brothers laugh about it, but it was like very traumatic. Like my mom and you have to like keep perspective, you know, she was, you know, being physically abused and he would come around and like turn in her rear view mirrors on her truck just to like let her know he had been around. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, he would just kind of, like, drive around the block. So, like, he wasn't out of our lives, but he was, like... Lingering. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and it's really hard to move on from something like that when it's just going on for years. Like, he would, like, show up to, like, my school and just, like, be like, yeah, I'm the parent. And just, like, oh no, have it together for, like, enough to be like, I'm the parent here, you know? Yeah. Show me to my kid's classroom. And it would just be, like, 
Uh, I, we talked about that on uh, one of the last episodes on uh, one of my one of the gun instructors I had on, and how people like that can just fake background oh, yeah. checks oh, and yeah. stuff and still legally get a gun. Yeah, and it, it's a it's amazing. You know, like my dad was like a big jock. He was very well accomplished. Um, you know, like he just kind of went very far in life and to a point. You know, because I think when you're on your meds and you're kind of you know you go through episodes and he would go through his manic episodes where it'd be like, okay, go into the hospital, get well, come out, go back to functioning, very high functioning too. Mm-hmm. He was a diver. He was a diving instructor. Oh, wow. He was an engineer. He had a pilot's license, like, what? yeah, very high achieving, did a lot of things. And I think sometimes I'm like critical of myself. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I'm my father reincarnated, which that's weird. another conversation. It's just like, you never thought I, I personally, like I never thought I'd be as similar as I am to my dad. Yeah. And I think the thing that's hard is like from a generational standpoint, now you have all the criticisms that you kind of like hold for your parents, but it's also like now self-directed too, mm-hmm. where it's like, there's grounds for improvement always. And I don't want to come off as like bashing, no, you know, not. my parents or, Same. you know, my father specifically, cause you know, he was a very caring father, but from the sense of room for improvement. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think for myself, you know, like he, he taught me a lot with how not to be sure. versus how to be like, because sometimes I have to stop and like be critical of myself as a parent because like I learned how to be a good parent from a very manic person, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think a lot of that has translated to like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I want to give my kids a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but also what's reasonable, you know, and I do, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, I cross the line. No, you know, it's all reasonable stuff. I'm not like, Mm -hmm. let's go jump out of an airplane right now. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But at the same time, you know, like I have to be on the same page with Sam where like she didn't learn like that kind of like manic style of parenting where like she's more grounded and like, no, Mario, we can't go to the arcade at 9 a.m. And I'm like, why not? (laughs) It's like, well, we have a puppy at home you know, (laughs) that we have to take care of and we have to do, you know, all of these things. And I think for me, it's like you have to like stop and be like, okay, be be reasonable compromise you know um yeah i don't know i guess i've kind of gone on a little bit of a tangent but yeah i think i learned a lot from him as far as parenting so kind of like rewinding becoming a teen parent i was kind of like i'm doomed (laughs) like you know between everything in my life that you know um you know not necessarily like shortcomings or like being ill-prepared but like I just kind of was like I'm not going to be good at this you know what I mean oh I didn't know that yeah well there's the flip side of then what you present to the world where it's like sure I'm an EMT and you know I'm at the time you know I wanted to do med school I wanted to do law school I always kind of like I guess kept myself grounded with like all the self-doubts with being like no ultimately I'm going to do something if Mm -hmm. I just keep ramming my head into that wall you know and you know, originally I wanted to do med school, so kind of like did the intro courses at UIC, and it's like, oh, this isn't happening. <laughs> I think I got to like, you know, uh, Orgo, and I was like, this, I'm not enjoying myself. You know, this is not what I want to do. And, you know, now working closely with a lot of physicians, they're yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, a lot of that's like weed out stuff. And, you know, you need it for the MCATs. You do need it like as foundations, but it, it's hard in college, you know. Um, and ultimately, I decided not to do it. So then I kind of 
switched lanes and decided to go on to be an attorney. And Mm -hmm. that kind of has to do again with my dad's condition. You know, what I want to do is kind of like mental health advocacy. Mm. And, you know, I want to do immigration reform again, totally all over the place. And eventually I got into law school, you know, so I graduated from UIC. Um, I got a full ride when I came out of community college the whole time kind of juggling to UIC. Yeah. So graduated uh, from Malcolm X. I went on to UIC, got a full ride there the whole time. You know, my brothers, my mom, my aunts, they're all supporting me, taking care of Noah, going to school, Mm, working mm -hmm. on the ambulance. (coughs) Excuse me. I don't know if you remember, but I did like counting car a lot, which was like the overnight 14 hour, like kind of like neonatal transport. I I did that during medic school. Yeah. I mean, it was good for school. Yeah. So I would do that a lot and just work all night, go to school during the day, you know, like no would be at home sleeping or he would be with Sam because we were separated at the time. Just kind of like grinding until finally I got into law school. And then you know, I was like, all right, like I- I'm here now, you know, and then it's still more years of work. But I think once I was in law school, I was kind of like, OK, now this is where it's more taxing. Like mm. you can't work. I mean, technically through you can, law school. Yeah, you can sneak it in. Yeah. But you do have to like essentially have a contract that you won't work while you're in school, especially what they call 1L, which is like your first year in law school. Super demanding, super time consuming. You're just in the library like all the time. And I think like at that point, I was just kind of realizing I'm kind of one foot in the door with parenting, one foot in the door with school. And that was kind of where I just... And then work. Like where does work? You know, it's like you're not going to work at that Exactly. I mean, like, you know, I was living with my mom at the time and it was kind of like, I don't feel good as like a parent. Given, you know, I'm also like in my early 20s, it's reasonable, especially when you're in school. But I was kind of like, I'm a parent now, you know, like I can't be living at home. And my mom was really supportive. Like, well, you're in school. You're not just like doing nothing. Exactly. And I was like, but I want to do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, But I think at that point, I just kind of hit this like, you know, like I was saying, there's crossroads. I hit one I couldn't pass. You know, like I wanted to be a father more than I wanted to be a student. Uh, And don't get me wrong, there was going to be a payoff at the end, but I was just starting to like, <coughs> yeah, me. if it's worth it or question it. Yeah, exactly. I was starting did you, to question. Did you meet people that were doing it on a day to day basis of being an attorney? And did that give you insight into making that decision? I mean, you know, I wish I did. Oh, I think okay. if I did, like I would have had more perspective, but this was totally just as like a kid struggling with a kid in law school, you know, raised by a single mother at the point, you know, like Sam and I are married now, but it was very much like baby mama drama at the time. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this, you know, like I'm from the hood. I have no way to succeed. Like it's hard to talk about these things without discounting people that are in your life. You know, like I don't want to come off as like, I didn't have enough support because it's bread. It's bread. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like there's the real point of like, I was struggling, you know? Um, So eventually you know, I left law school and I still remember like getting on the pink line that day. And I was like in between like being really relieved and like wanting to cry. But like ultimately I went to like 7-Eleven, like got a 40 ounce and just like <laughs> drank it on the street. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going back to like the life I was living and I'll find a way. You know what I mean? Um, and I think like I kind of like withdrew a little bit from like not from the world, but just like. I don't know. I just kind of like felt down for a little bit because it's like I knew I was doing the right thing, but it felt very wrong. And I think sometimes you just got to like feel out your lows a little bit. And mm. I, it felt like a low for me, you oh, know. Okay. 
um, even though it was everything I wanted to do. Like, you were, at this point, were you off the ambulance now, or were you? Yes, yeah, you so were I was off the ambulance, and I was kind of like. Trying to do school full time. Yeah, and okay. I think I was actually about to like let my EMT license last. Did you come back? I didn't. You didn't no. come back. You, no, I did didn't. You go to, is that what CTA after? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I can't wait to hear these stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, I went from being an EMT, and then you know, in law school, and then to working on the CTA as a bus driver, and like did I was. Did you ever like, think you'd be doing that? Whoa. Did you ever think? No. I mean, like, you're coming from a graffiti background. Like, I, I think at a certain point. How many buses did you take? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm checking them out in the garage like, ooh, who put this here? Um, no, but I think like, you know, from a graffiti standpoint, it crossed my mind to like get the uniform, you know, to be able to like sneak into the yard. You're on the, other, like, you're on the inside. Yeah, now. but then I'm like legitimately working there like, yep, <laughs> driving the bus. <laughs> and like the thing that's crazy is like as a bus driver, it's such a difficult job. But like I feel like it's also like one people like just look past. So like, yeah. I would sit there and, like, I would drive routes around, like, my own neighborhood, like, Roosevelt, 18th, you know. Yeah. And, like, people would get on the bus, and I'd be like, hey, what's up? Oh, my and God. They'd be like, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> we were just together yesterday. <laughs> have, have you ever seen uh, the hot chick with Ralph Schneider? Where, like, he's lost in the other girl's body, and he's like, it's me, <laughs> Jessica. That's how I felt. <laughs> like, you know, you're just, like, people see past you, but then, like, you get to the point where you start seeing past people, too, which was, like, Oof. yeah, really weird. Like, there's a certain, like... like jadedness, in a way, or...? Definitely. Yeah, okay. I mean, being... You're just coasting. Like, jaded. I mean, Oof. being a writer on the CTA... I mean, I'm sure everyone's kind of had the experience where it's just like, this is horrible. This is awful. Imagine that being your every day. And then in between, you're getting off at random places to wait for your next route. Like the CTA will literally just like leave you there and it'll be like, yeah, you'll get on another bus in an hour to relieve someone else. Have fun over. I didn't know that's how it was. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, like. The reality at Chicago, it's dangerous to drop people off in certain neighborhoods, but that's what CTA I thought, drivers do. I thought do. you just had your bus. You would get on at a certain point, and then maybe you would get off at that certain point, unless you're taking it back to the garage or something like that. So I'm, I'm not sure. It's like it's designated points. They're not just like, all right, we're here. Get off. <laughs> um, no, but you have a schedule where basically like you're responsible for getting on to the next bus at that point. Yeah. So you're responsible for getting onto the bus at that next point. And like what a lot of drivers would do is they'd be like, okay, I know I'm going to be dropped off on, you know, what Pulaski or I think like Kedzie and Roosevelt was one of them. Um, it's been several years, but they'd be like, I'll just have my car parked there and I'll get into my car. And some people loved it because they'd be like, I'll go to the gym. I'll go grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll do what I need to do. But for me, it was like, um, I don't want to be hanging out here. <laughs> uh, I, I pass. So, I mean, like, I think the more jaded part of the job for me just kind of came from, like, being on the CTA all the time. Like, okay. you are the operator, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you're on a bus all the time. and Just crazy stuff is happening, and you just feel like, you know, like those old, like, kind of, like, 90s road trip movies where, like, they're like, I'll like turn this movies? thing around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like that, but, like, with the wildest of people. How, how much situational awareness did you gain from that role? 
Well, I think I always had a lot of situ- situational awareness just because, like, of where I grew up. So, yeah. like, even being on the bus, I kind of came into it like, yo, this is a sketchy route. Like, you can play somebody else. Like, it's okay to drop them off at 10 o'clock at night here. But for me, I- I'm not down with it, you know. Um, I think, like, one of the sketchiest things I had happen while I was driving was, like, I had someone on the back that was passed out. And, like, mm-hmm. I got to the end of my route and was like, it's time to get off, you know, and then you kind of go through all the ways that they've trained you to deal with that. And eventually we had to have like police come because they got like combative. And like, I don't know, part of me is also like, I don't blame you. Like, you're just trying to like pass out somewhere and still get to where you're going. Sure. And like, you know, the dude was probably like, what's the term? Not homeless, houseless, you know? So it's a hmm. place to be. It's a roof over your head. It's warm. It was colder out. So it's like, okay, I don't blame you but like i also don't want anything to happen to me you know what i mean like and not to like assume that like someone who's just passed out is like gonna hurt you but it's like yo this isn't the life i want to live like i've got a child back at home and i'm still just trying to make it there's a there's a a, an end date yeah yeah i mean like i was two weeks in ready to put in my two weeks (laughs) um and then it's funny because like you go through this like training too where like with any company you know the training is like everything's great here and you start off like i hope the cta doesn't come after me for all Not this. Even. <laughs> so you start off like downtown and you're like kind of like in the west loop and it's like oh this is cool it's like corporate like they run things well and it's like now you're all going to go off for your individual training okay. so like you know the cta like train operators go one place and like the bus operators go to another did you have the option um, of train so or bus? Or? I applied for... Oh, they're separate, they're separate just completely yeah. separate. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's not like single file, like you go here, like the sorting hat. <laughs> bus operator. Orange line. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the sorting hat told me I was a Slytherin, which is bus operators apparently. <laughs> you get the Madison bus. Yeah, yeah, that means you're super sketchy. Uh, <laughs> send Mario to the west side. <laughs> All bullying aside, um, yeah, so then you go to your individual training, you know. So we went to the, I don't know, let's just call it bus school, you mm. know. So we went to the bus school, we sang wheels on the bus go around, and then they sent us out. <laughs> no, um, it just, like, got progressively more removed from that very, like, well-polished kind sure. of, like, corporate thing. As it's like, all right. It's kind of like EMT school, and now you get on the streets, it's like, yeah. What is this janky ass stretcher that I'm working with? Exactly. Nursing homes that I'm working with. Go go burn yeah. rubber, you know, <laughs> break your back, go do what you got to do. Where's my money? Um, yeah, so it just got like progressively more sketchier. And then, you know, I don't know. I could go like on and on. About what uh, <laughs> did, did you have? Were you able to provide preference to the neighborhood you or the, the bus you actually did end up driving? So you get to do what's called like picks. It's like seasonal. So... It's a union job, and it's union in the sense that, like, there is seniority. Mm. So the most senior people get to take the first picks, which are eventually these predetermined sheets of how your route's going to work. And, I mean, it makes sense just from, like, an organizational standpoint. They have to have a bus schedule. Things just have to work in transit to get operators to where they need to be to get people where they need to be. And basically, if you just started, you're at the very bottom of that pick. So everyone lines up basically goes to a board gets their pick by seniority 
And then when you get yours, you're basically left with like nothing. And then you can also do like what's essentially on call, which is like you call in that. I can't remember the time, but it was in the evening and <coughs> excuse me. You basically call in and you get your shift for the next day. And some people like it because like it's a random like, shift. Yeah, oh. it's like it's a lot of money. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, say you're calling in at eight o'clock, which I don't know if that's what it is. Again, it was a long time ago. I'll be like, yeah, come in at 4 a.m. And I'll be like, okay, let me put down my beer and I will be there. Uh, uh, just joking, kind of. <laughs> but I remember there was like, you know, I was there probably for like half a year. And I think there was like a few weeks I had to be on that pick. And I, I hated it. Like mm. you would just call in and like the flip side to like making money but having a bad schedule is then not having something to do where it's like, okay, like I, I need my work. But Again, because it's seniority and it's considered a union job, you have part-timers and you have full-timers. So as the full-timers leave, they turn you over into full-time from part-time. But with part-time, they keep you under, I want to say like 36 hours or 38. And by keeping you under, you don't get a lot of the benefits. Mm. And what's kind of interesting is like, again, because there's that time in between transit or routes you might be at work in the sense of being away from your home for, you know, 40 hours plus a week, essentially making overtime, but your schedule or your pick, you're essentially out for, you know, 40 hours, but you're only on a bus for 20, 24. It it was sketchy. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. And you know, I, I'm sure there's a reason they do it. There's obviously, you know, it's a company, it makes sense. It drives money. But like for me, I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, I just left law school and now I'm being like, you can't treat me like this. <laughs> I was almost a lawyer. I saw I saw a, a driver like not by like he picked up probably someone that was on the bus and just like flipped him upside down and just like slammed him on the ground. I think he was immediately fired after that. But. That was me, bro. <laughs> I was both like, the slammy like, and the slammer. <laughs> Like, what if you're you're you don't have the capabilities to do that? Like, at what point do, are you supposed to never get physical? Like, what if yeah. there's freaking altercation and you're you can't wait for the cops at you know yeah. all the time? It's just like so. The way you're trained just makes you like the most like passive, mm. aggressive person ever. You know, like basically like for fair. That's a good example. Yeah, you can request your fare three times. You have to request your fare three times. And Anything beyond pay. that, leave it alone. Yeah, and I think that's just based off of, like, there's obviously been way, way too many confrontations between employees oh. and, you know, commuters. But, like, I would literally just be like, hey, you got your fare? You got your fare? <laughs> I want to be like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> like, if you're making a full lot of people, they're going to make a full lot of you. And I think Ooh. that's where, like, you get into those situations. But, like, no. It's like, not worth your job. It's not worth your life. Like, it's not worth your life. Like, forget the job. Like, yeah. it's Chicago. Like, everything is your life you know is what you should be thinking about you know people I mean, are there any penalties for not getting a fare like i mean i imagine if like you were just like very straightforward like about it like wrist, i didn't yeah. collect a lot of fares today <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's gonna be a penalty but at the same time you have like a little you know counter underneath and i don't know i, I think there's I mean, like is, a button you press like fair wave they're like is there an incentive for getting more riders like not really right no. so when yeah <laughs> but that's again like you're hitting it on the head you know like being a driver there like we talked about it's very like it just makes you very like 
bleh. You know what I mean? There's not an incentive. It's funny because when, when you first started the conversation, it's, and this is what I love about the fire department is like you're, you're doing kind of a community service in a way. It's yeah. like you get you get to, you get to put a, put a face to someone serving that community, especially if you grew up in that yeah. in that part of the city, dude. And I was happy to do that as a bus driver. Yeah. And then I started working the job, and I was like, no, like you know the. There are some people that are just genuinely still like about like community service. I mean, I'm sure riding the CTA, you see people that are like, hey, good morning. All right. And they're like jolly. Like those people have good picks like we talked about before, you know, like they have seniority. They are happy not to like discount, you know, their experience and them being a good person. But like you're happy for a reason, bro. And like there are a lot of people that are not happy because Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's just the way they're working. You know, like it's hard to remain happy in that job. And, you know, I don't want to bash it, and I didn't and, do it for a long there time. There wasn't a lot so of turnover, right? So it's hard to gain seniority. There, There's a lot of turnover Maybe at, the, at bottom, the low end. At the bottom, yeah. right, right. Yeah, right. so I guess you can kind of think about it like as a pyramid. Like there's no turnover where you want it to be at the top, and yeah. at the base it's just a revolving door. But, like, I don't know. It's also like, you know, I don't want to, like, do the whole, like, Kim Kardashian narrative. Like, people don't want to work because I don't believe that, but a lot of other people's sentiments are that and like i remember being kind of like in our wheels in the bus go round and round class and there was like one younger kid where like he had gotten on with the cta and a lot of like the older people who were going through this training were like oh i wish i had this job at your age because like you can make bank Mm -hmm. like i was making more there than i was making as you know like clinical support as an anesthesia technician like was a major pay cut compared to the cta but it's not all about the money you know as far as like the hours and kind of the games that the cta was playing but like you know at that lower kind of like end of the pyramid you know where there's a lot of turnover and it's a revolving door like obviously there's a good reason why you know like we've talked through at the same time like i don't think our generation wants to work a job like that you know mm. um it, it's just very like soul crushing and you know like it's not even like my criticism of like our generation i don't care i just think the reality of it because i went through it mm-hmm. and, like i can kind of talk about it is like i didn't want to do it it felt like very defeating as a person and i've worked like a lot of jobs i mean like i worked in an automotive warehouse that was like god almost like 100 degrees plus and we would still just work i don't mind doing like hard work exactly like i can do the hard work and not even just speaking to physical labor like i can do hard work mentally um that job was just very like there's a lot of things wrong here and i i'm not going to be continuing with this you know the the last guest i had on uh one of the last guests i had on he you might have met him eric um he Works at the bike lane in Logan. And, oh, yeah, at your uh, old apartment for the Game of Thrones party. You did party. meet him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, He's so cool. I still have him, like, on social media. He, I was trying to generate a discussion on, like, cyclists versus drivers. But, you know, from, from the driver's perspective, it's just, like, what, how has the city of Chicago, like, evolved for both drivers and cyclists? Yeah. And I think, like, Chicago is a super bike-friendly city. You know, like... I remember just kind of like turning over from like, you know, my little hood cruiser to getting an actual road bike and being like, oh, this is cool. This is like a whole thing on its own in the city. And like my brother got super into riding and he got hit by cars over and over. And like not to say he's over and over like he got hit several times, like several times. Yeah. Not to say he's a bad rider, but I think it's just more like the frequency and the areas, you know, to be riding in, you know, like he got hit several times, I think to the point where my mom was just like 
please don't ride your bike anymore. Like, hit, hit in one way. Like, hit, like... Um, uh, like, he was under a car at some point. He got knocked off of his bike. My other brother... It, it's like a frequency thing, in my opinion. If you're just doing something a lot, is he, but who, you're increasing I, I guess, your odds. What's the root cause? Is, is it the cars being yeah. reckless? Is it him being and, reckless? Because there's both sides, right? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Is like, at the root cause, I don't believe he's, like, a bad rider. You know, like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I think it's just more... This kind of, like, thing... Not to say, like, people dislike others for their form of transportation, which is totally No, dumb. no, no. But everyone but is everyone, so tunnel vision on their own where it, they got to be. Exactly. You're focused on yourself. And now and you, if you're the driver or you're the cyclist, you're in my way. Yeah. So, like, if I'm in a car, I have a hard time dealing with people on bicycles. If I'm on a bicycle, I have a hard time dealing with people on cars, you know, Um <clears throat> what about from the but bus driver's think, perspective? Yeah, I think from the bus driver's perspective, like you need to always be right because you are driving. How bad is the blind spot? Um, I mean, it's it's worse at certain points. So, like when people do things that they shouldn't be doing, um, and again, returning like to the weaving in and out of traffic, exactly kind of returning to the same thing, like pedestrian, bicycles, cars. If people are doing wild things around you, it's going to be very hard to do something safely. But I think what I learned when I was operating the bus is like, if you're in a bad situation, just stay still. You know, like at some point people will figure things out, but you moving that vehicle in the wrong way is really going to do damage. And I think there's kind of a hierarchy to that too. Like a bus is going to wreck a car. A car is going to wreck someone on a bicycle. A bicycle will wreck a pedestrian. Like you just have to kind of like be considerate of others and where you are and what your responsibility is. zipping around the city I know, hitting everybody's shins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know who like saw scooters and like that. (laughs) That's the future. I know I was in... um, Can't imagine a scooter hitting a pothole. I feel like it's big in a lot of other cities. Like where was I recently... St. Louis, it was really big in, mm. and I'm surprised they made a comeback here. Yeah, I think like for a while they were just all over, and they just made the move like get them out. Like people were tripping over them, and then yeah, they made a comeback. Yeah, because people would park them anywhere. It was like a trial period. I and think. then uh, like handicapped people are just compl- you can't use the sidewalk if they're left yeah. everywhere. You know? And then where do they go? Like so in na- the bike lane well, now, on the sidewalk. Now you got to park them at back at the divvy racks or something like that, or something, is that what something it like is? that. Yeah, at the divvy bottom out. I think. Oh, I of think. Course. I, yeah. They're like going to become the Amazon of like transportation. But it's also led to other people buying their own e-scooters as well. So yeah, yeah. maybe some people did like them. The skateboards are really cool. Like those long boards with like the remote. Like it just oh, looks yeah. like something out of that, the future. That or I saw a gang of one wheels the other day. Really? Like, like six people on a one wheel and they're, they're all... Just on like, different just like, one wheels, like right? A biker Not gang. one wheel for six people. I was like, damn. A, a clown that is one wheel, wheel efficiency. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they, and they go fast. Yeah. All those things like lean forward and it's just like, it's going. Dude, but also like, if you eat shit on those things, like, you're done. Like, well, <laughs> those I are see scary. He, they were weaving <clears throat> on and off the sidewalk, would be jump, hopping curbs and stuff. It's just like, and like yeah. the whole wheel just comes up and I'm like, what? And they're just totally like, this is normal. And I'm like, whoa, that's a unicycle, dude. That is like a motorized unicycle. Yeah. A unicycle is impressive on they its own. They can sit on some of those have seats. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty really cool. weird. Wow. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll start with a, a seated unicycle. I tried getting on a hoverboard. I busted my shit. I couldn't. Oh. I'm like, I'm young enough to still do this. Like, yeah. I can do this. I'm like, I can't. Those do are that. like the ones you stand on and lean. Yeah. 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 My cousin put me on one. And I just like spun for five minutes and I couldn't get like, off. How do you get on with just one foot at a time? It's like, yeah. Look. And she's like, it's so easy. And she gets on and is like chilling. <laughs> and I get on and I'm just like, 
she like gonna take off like a helicopter it was so funny though because like at some point i think like my brother just bear hugged me and like popped me off of the thing because no one could get me off like i was spinning so fast it was horrible and it was like christmas too so like i was ready to yak after like two rotations (laughs) it was horrible awful experience uh after so you had it with cta yeah yeah so i had it with cta what was what was next? When did I call you to come on at Northwestern? That's what I'm trying to remember. Because so like, you, you never went back to ATI? No, I didn't. So leaving CTA, like, I had finished a route, and my aunt called me. I was like, hey, I'm going to Wisconsin Dells. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, I got to work tomorrow. And she's like, just quit. And I was kind of at that point. There's, like, certain points in your life, if someone tells you just quit, like, you're like, Yes, <laughs> that is what I needed to hear. <laughs> so she was like, just quit. Did she know what you were experiencing? Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay, like, okay. dude, I, I pretty much like, you know, not with the pandemic. Um, you know, I see them less, but like I pretty much lived at my grandparents, you know. At some point I did live at my grandparents, but even when I didn't, I was still over there like every day they were down the block, you know. Um, so she knew what I was going through. You know, my aunts have always been like my support system, you know, like gotcha. I have several moms because I have my aunt, sure, you know, sure. um, so she knew exactly what I was going through. So like, it wasn't just like a totally unfounded, just quit. It was like, no, just quit. Like you're at that point. We've already had like You'll our conversations. Out, you know. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Wisconsin Dells do be sounding pretty nice right now. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like I talked to the garage supervisor and was like, I'm out. And he's like, okay, well, you know, there's a process to this. I was like, cool. <laughs> I, stopped, like, I was done like it wasn't even two weeks like i gave them my keys um i like i didn't even like care what was theirs and what was mine like i was like at the point where like here's my shirt like i'm not coming back um yeah so i left and then i'm trying to remember like what happened on that like in between because i feel like i wasn't not working <coughs> i forgot like Excuse what me. what made me what made what did I see that I was like Mario would I should we should have Mario at Northwestern I'm trying I can't remember my good looks and right? sense of like, humor we had a good time on the on the ambulance and same I, I saw I thought the same when I brought I brought a few people I, like Anthony Anthony came there for a little bit yeah. um, Rachel <laughs> like for a hot second right Anthony yeah. I mean I, I caught up with Anthony the other day and and he's doing he's killing it now he's he yeah. he operates a yard and stuff like that and. Uh, heavy machinery so yeah, i remember him coming on and we were kind of still like more in a building phase there where like we were starting to do like really good in services but like gotcha i don't think he got any of that like for his orientation it was kind of this weird like management not management but kind of like immediate supervisors so, uh, before we record we were talking about uh, a buddy named dan montez and he hmm. when he was at ati he dropped the name that i haven't heard of in a while the guy that hired me jeff devos Oh wow! Right, I forgot about and then that. He got on the city and oh, left. Memory unlocked. Wow. <laughs> There's certain names where it's like that was a person. Tall, crew cut, tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of reminded me of um, like Anthony Bourdain, but like oh no, maybe a young, maybe younger. Yeah, maybe younger Anthony. I don't know. Maybe I just replaced people with Anthony Bourdain in my <laughs> not head. a bad, not a bad replacement. Because <laughs> even like the guy who hired me for the job I work now, I was like, I can't remember what he looks like, and I'm like, yeah, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like my go-to person. Like, just crop them out and put in Anthony Bourdain. You know? Yeah. Not a bad replacement. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What, I mean, what do you think you were doing? Um, God, I mean, like, just dealing with a lot of like fighting between like Sam and I at mm. that point. Um, I, I think I fell on a lot of like 
bad old habits, you know, where it was just kind of like, all right, you know, I think at that point I was probably like, I don't know, I'm so bad, like chronologically. I was old enough to drink, let's say that, and yeah. like start going to bars and, you know, like coming out of law school and then working at the CTA, I was just like, all right, let's start doing stuff, you know? So, I mean, like, yeah, I think I just kind of like got to like partying and like, I don't know, just like very like, age appropriate things but mm. just like not person appropriate things you know like i playing catch up with yeah, yourself exactly yeah. you know and not to say i didn't get a lot of that off of my chest at like in my teenage years but i think it was just now different because it was like you get your id and that's pretty much like your green card to just go or your green light sorry your green light to just like go crazy you know like yeah. the world's like you can drink and act a fool now and like pilsen was changing at the time too where like before being on 18th street you know kind of like tipsy was like "Ooh, you know the cops are going to come mess with us versus mm. like now being on 18th street tipsy was like oh man have a good time it's the place to be now huh? yeah, yeah. I, I mean like growing up in it and like living on 18th it's all outside of your front step like that's why everyone moved here because it's such an awesome neighborhood and i think just like kind of being able to like finally enjoy those experiences under like the new light that was shed on them where it's like oh like yeah you guys can do this stuff that's perfectly fine was like what like you you were just messing with me last year you know like i mean obviously we were in the wrong but like a good example of that is like amador's over on like 18th and racing yeah that was like a block away from my house the red awning right yeah, yeah yeah exactly the classic red awning but we had like got liquor from there is like i don't know we're probably like 18 so like we just had somebody like run it for us but it was like one of those like weird moments where like you have no runners to go get it for you so like i think we like just asked like somebody on the street and they're like oh yeah cool and then like they came out and the cops pulled up and they're like what are you doing here and like i don't know we were just kind of like to you guys yeah to us and then like they actually like took my friend and like took him away and like i don't think he got locked up but like they like brought him home even though you didn't have liquor in hand or did you have liquor in hand no like the dude walked away with the liquor but they were like you're clearly buying liquor but like i I guess my point more so is like the cops couldn't mess with you in any way that they wanted to back then and like Mm. with that it's like okay every time it's not like you're not doing something wrong but it's also like is it merited for you to just fucking be wasting your time like messing with us you know and like probably better things to do yeah yeah and that's a very mild example you know like there were times like they would just pick people up from the neighborhood and like drop them off and like the other side of the neighborhood which they couldn't be in and be like oh yeah this is a you know latin king this is this and it'd just be like you you realize like what this is doing to people like this is legitimately like getting people jumped this is like okay so if you get away by running because obviously they're not going to like do something in front of the cops and, or they might and the cops will probably look the other way but you know they would just kind of like mess with people you know and very they, is that shit do you think it, it's still going on Maybe not in Pilsen or a little... It's still going on. It's still going on. I would never say it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, my whole thing is like, I guess by ratio, how much is it still going on? Mm. I I think it's going on less. I would never say it's not going on. Now, in that, that, you know, growing up with that, would you ever consider becoming a cop to change things from the inside? I, I did at some point. Right. So... Was that it? Was that yeah, what you were doing? I think that that might have been it. Yeah. So I think at that point, <laughs> or sheriffs, because DEA, DEA. Yeah, yeah were you I was asking in, for referrals, and I your name was in the was. back of my mind because I think you were asking for referrals and something. Yeah, I like was that. applying for the DEA when oh. I left the CTA, and I had moved far along in the process. Like I actually did yeah. a 
like language assessment basically like they will give you i don't know the government terms but basically like a higher authorization or ranking essentially is what it is for having more language proficiency so basically like i got on the phone with an interpreter i just like evaluated my spanish and like i was going to like the dea office to like mm. do all of like my assessments and moving along and then they like they moved the goalpost at some point and were like oh we're reclassifying something reapply like you're pretty much good to go but i think at that point i was just kind of like uh, I, I don't want to be a dea agent <coughs> excuse me yeah i don't want to be a dea agent you know um again and it's one of those things that sounds really cool but like the practice was like oh, I'm, I'm good man like that sounds kind of wild i think at that point is when i came on with northwestern and then I want to say it came back up later on in Northwestern. Like they reached out again, like, Hey, we want to bring you on. And I was like, no, like I'm good. But yeah. That, that was like that in between. I think it was like CPD and DEA. I was considering both. So what, like what goes through someone's head if you grew up with some animosity against these entities yeah. and, and like, is it naive to think that you can change things from the inside? That's exactly or, what it is. The community that you end up serving, do you think you're now one of them and you're, you're on the other side, you're snitching? Like what? So I took the bait on like a lot of that, like change from within. Uh-huh. And I guess it's wrong to call it bait because I'm sure a lot of people are making an impact because obviously there, there's been some shift and things getting better somewhat. Because it takes someone who have experienced something to make an impact on someone who's experiencing the rough stuff right now, right? I feel like they've also changed their hiring policy, though, because oh. when I was going through it, I actually didn't pass because of some of the things I was just forthcoming about. They were yeah, like, yeah. no, there's absolutely no way we would ever have an officer. And then the kind of ironic thing is then they reached out and were like, hey, you know, we rejected you, but we want you to reapply, uh, come back in. Um, I think they're going to start me like after the power, like maybe do like, I don't even think I had to do the psych. It was like basically like they were going to make another final decision and I didn't want to do it because like for me, I think I took a lot of the things they were saying and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, like change from within. I'm down for this, you know, and then the same things that I felt qualified me to be a good candidate as far as my experiences, which weren't necessarily good experiences no, from their but perspective. It makes you relatable, right? Exactly. Yeah. Personality wise, experience yeah. wise, and just kind of policing wise, you know, the discretion to be like, look, man, you, you've got something to smoke a blunt here. I'm not going to lock you up for mm-hmm. trying to smoke a blunt when I hear a pistol popping two blocks away. Mm. But also, you know, from a officer's perspective, which do I want to do? You know, I got somebody I can spend the next I don't know how long it takes to lock people up. I mean, I've sat in lockup. <laughs> I don't know what their process <laughs> looks like. You know, I could spend the next few hours locking this kid up, or I could go chase somebody, you know, shooting a pistol a few blocks away. It's kind of like, Damn. I don't know, personally, like, not to be, again, in that, like, tool mentality, but, like, I care a lot more about that pistol because that, I think I've just found out too many times that like hearing a pistol going off, it turned out to be somebody I knew that ended up getting shot, you know, or somebody that was related to somebody I knew, you know, it's like the six degrees of separation thing. I think whether it's your community, if you're from Chicago, you should consider this all your community. And that's just me. You know, I can't convince anybody on that. I won't argue with anyone else, but like 
working on the ambulance. Like I cared about a lot of the people I picked up, mm -hmm. even though I wasn't mm -hmm. from that community mm -hmm. as far as like area code. We're all from Chicago. And I mean, I think as you get older, you start to appreciate more of a global perspective, you know, whether you want to say we're all from planet Earth, you know, it's very broad and kind of flowery language. But like you should care about people. We are a global community, you know, mm -hmm. but local community is where you can kind of make a more Im immediate impact. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't know. I just think like I I was down for a lot of it as far as like, yeah, make a change from within. You know, I don't know at what point I would have hit walls or they would have pumped brakes or if it was just kind of like a good ad yeah. campaign. But I wanted to do it. You what know? did you? What were your thoughts on the whole um, the riots, like George Floyd, BLM? I mean, it was all how rough it, and even these it days. They're so short staffed. Yeah, I mean, like I have no problem saying flat out, like it was all merited. I mean, it just kind of like hit a point where it's like you're blatantly like if you watch the video i don't know how as a human yeah. you can rationalize like kneeling on someone's neck yeah. like that is but crazy. but do you think that's representative of all cops or one bad cop no it's not representative of all cops yeah. and you know i i don't want to do the like oh not all cops not all men because there's kind of like a counter perspective to that which i think is more mine um you know what i subscribe to is like no it's not all cops yeah it's not all men but someone made a really good analogy that, like, to me, it just hit it on the head and I can't look at it any other way. So if I hand you a bowl mm. of M&Ms and I'm like, all right, a few of those are poison. Mm. Do you, do, what do you want to do with those M&Ms? Do you want to eat them? Mm. I don't think you want to eat them. Do you, are you like, yeah, M&Ms? No, there's, there's a distrust. A at the least, there's a distrust for that overall bowl okay especially no, it's not all of them, but if the, there's no accountability when yes. the bad the poison ones aren't found yeah m&ms can't hold m&ms accountable <laughs> no not, not to like make light of a serious situation but no like there there is no accountability and that's the frustration like i just think i've seen too many times where like it hasn't worked and it should work and you know in my personal life in kind of just like a general you know and i think for this, this was like a lot of exposure that was just like showing everyone the system is really broken and physically supports hurting people. And like to turn around and be like, no, that's okay. Like, at least mm. if you have like a diet opinion, you know, like a very light version of the opinion, you should stop and be like, hey, that probably shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I get that like people support cops, you know, and I, I get that like you know, there's different movements as far as Blue Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter. But the thing is, like, Blue Lives Matter was pretty much raised in opposition to Black Lives Matter, you know? And it's like, then there's the All Lives Matter thing. And it's like, okay, if you Fuck really meant the... But the thing is, if you meant the message, then you would care about would the Black care. Lives Matter. It's inclusive, you know? Yeah. They're not included from that statement, but it was raised in opposition to that statement, that specifically Black Lives Matter. And I mean, like, as an organization, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like me being like punk rock about it, but like I don't support a lot of organizations, you know, so like Black Lives Matter as like, I mean, pretty much a corporation at this point, mm. like I'm not down with the corporate part of it, but the message itself, like, yeah. hell yeah, but I'm not going to like 
die on a hill for some organization you know like i'm not buying their merch like, no, you know I, know. I, mean? I guess that's kind of like where i draw the line it's like i'm not gonna go like all corporate with it you know what i mean i guess i gotta have someone that was actually do because i didn't make my way down there right and like yeah. you hear stories of like pallets of bricks being left the day before for yeah. people to throw bricks through windows and loot and riot and what part of looting was behind the messaging of blm I think it was just kind of like frustration, you know, when you're mad, you break things. I mean, like, okay, I, not just break things, but like steal shit too. Like, what is that going to solve for BLM? I mean, what does it do when, you know, a team wins the series and everybody's like, oh, this, this is great that you went and broke things for no reason. Then it's just like, all right, go Cubs, you know, <laughs> specifically, you know, like these kind of like white events, like I'll just be flat out about it. Like, you know. Rioting is such a term that you can see someone be like, that's a riot. But to see how they kind of like move it within context, like that's not a riot. That's a celebration, you know, and mm. it's like, OK, so mm. when people are angry, it's wrong to break glass, climb poles, do all of that. But I think like more so speaking to the looting, why are people taking things? Because people are always going to be opportunistic, you know, yeah. like if there's a hundred dollar bills on the floor or most people would take it, you know. Personally, I wouldn't because I know enough to know it's not mine. But, you know, most people, they're opportunistic, you know. And I think when you don't have opportunities, that's when you're more prone to seeking opportunities. Like, okay, if that glass is smashed or if I have an opportunity, smash that glass and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not everybody doing that is not with the cause. They're there seeking opportunity. Well, what about what about BLM when, you know, every day black lives are being lost and shot? Right. So like what? where's the cause i don't know i just it didn't that doesn't sit well with me and i think yeah. blue lives matter came up because cops in general were trying to be canceled like yeah. not just one cop the cops culture. in general right so like when you when you have an emergency if you're being shot at who are you gonna who, who, what yeah. do you expect to happen then yeah so i mean a lot of my in-laws are all police officers and that's like the go-to argument is like call your local crackhead and it's like I'm going to be real with you. My local crackhead has probably come through for me a lot Mm. more times than you have. And that local crackhead might be related to me. So, yeah, I'm going to be real. That crackhead's probably more reliable in a lot of situations. I got a bottle smashed on my face. Like, as, God, I was probably like 14, you know, and looking at it now, that's a kid. You know, I got a bottle smashed on my face by, like, some just random person there was no reason for it to happen you know i was just hanging out with my friend it's just violence in the hood but my point is is after that bottle was smashed on my face the neighbors called police and this guy sprayed chemicals in my eyes it it was a really random situation like what was he trying to do make it better just attacking me like literally just attacking me no this wasn't a cop this was like a random resident i'm just saying it was a random violent act that happened wait after you got the bottle in the face yes so the point i'm trying to illustrate so me and let me just give you the whole story (laughs) so me and my homie were just kind of chilling okay you know talking whatever just enjoying the neighborhood you know it's what you do when you're just yeah from the hood you don't have anywhere to be you're just kind of chilling so we're on like a bus stop or something like that and this guy came out of his house that was near the bus stop and was like why are you here my mom you know doesn't want you here all drunk smashed a bottle on my face before we could even like react to what was going on smashes a bottle on my face and the texture like what this scar is from sprays my eyes with like some chemicals he brought out at that point i can't see 
And some gangbangers came. The neighbor, another neighbor called the police. And right away was like, I'm calling the cops on the phone, you know, yeah. clearly calling the cops. Some gangbangers came. And they were the ones who were like, we're going to beat your ass. Don't you ever do that in our neighborhood, especially to a shorty, you know. Oh. What the? I, I guess I should have asked, can I swear on you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, we're pretty far into it now. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, like, yeah, this is yeah. a shorty. Like, obviously, I've always been, like, a little taller. So it's hard to gauge. Yeah kids for being kids but like clearly when i'm talking i'm kind of like squeaky voiced you know they're like this is a fucking shorty like what are you doing this guy goes back in you know brings out a pistol that's the end of it you know total standstill between the two they're not going to kill him he's not going to kill them i'm just kind of the one that gets the band of the stick my point is so the bangers are drinking down the block they bring me over they're like all right wash out his eyes do what we can for him you know and send him on his way because they don't want the heat of the police the police just show up like, God, 30 minutes later, cruise by. Oh, is that him? All right, don't be doing that. Take off. My point is that, and it's kind of fucked up to say, at least one of those gangbangers was probably a crackhead. And the crackheads came <laughs> through for me. So, yes, I will call a crackhead when I am in trouble because they came through. So, like, <coughs> obviously the whole story, like, is way out there and doesn't apply to everybody's situation, but... My whole thing is, like, it's not about who you're calling. It's about knowing that who you're calling is going to support you, not hurt you, not make the situation worse. And you all have proven to us time and time again that you are not those people. You're more interested in your own ego. A lot of this is ego that's happening. You're interested in ego and just to hit it on the head, racism. Mm. You know, you're... The things you predecided about the situation determine how you're interacting in that situation. I even mean, if it's your own kind? Oh, my God. Even if it's it, your own especially kind. Especially your own kind? Yeah. Totally. Um, I think it's worse because there's kind of this, like, self-deprecating thing where it's like, oh, no, like, we're, I'm not like them. And, like, I don't know. You hear so many people say, like, oh, one of the good ones. And that term's thrown around like it's a good thing. And it's like, yo, like, that that, that was just prejudice on its own to be like you're one of the good ones like what how do you even say that out loud you know to i, I don't know it, it's just like really disturbing to me that like that there's a lot more behind that that just scratches the surfaces and it, it's already offering so much like when someone says to you oh you're really one of the good ones you know like it's like yeah that there's that many bad ones yeah exactly it's interesting yeah i don't know man um yeah, I mean, like, I've got a lot of, like, personal stories about all that stuff, but I'm I know, just like, and, and that's, how, where do you... That's all people have to draw from is their personal experience with yeah. PG, or with anyone, right? And uh, you, you build your worldview based off that. Yeah. And it's, for some, it's probably hard to remain hopeful, Yeah. right? And I, I guess I, I see where they're frustrated. And I guess it's kind of like, you know, the, the flip side is like, okay, when this person hit me in the face with a bottle, you know, do I turn around and be like, oh, man, like... You know, I've got it out for, like, I'm Hispanic, he was Hispanic, but, you know, you switch the scenario to be like, I've got it out for all of whatever you may be from now on. Like, that's just wrong to apply, like, yeah. that that to your worldview, you know? Like, yeah. everybody is that way. But then again, it's kind of like, thinking back to it, it's a little hypocritical on my end because the Skittles, exa- or the Eminem example, are, are we kind of doing that to cops, too? To be like, okay, one cop mistreated me, and... Mm. did this and that so it's okay to judge cops like that which you know is kind of the point i was illustrating earlier but it's not okay to judge anyone else like that you know it's kind of like 
it's, I it's think, a hard I one think to it's because they, they hold cops to a higher standard. That's true, yeah. And I, I wish they were held to that standard. It's tough because we're all people. Yeah. You know, and at I the end of the day. In healthcare, when we look at it, like if you see someone doing something that's bad practice, the accountability is there because it's like it is a higher standard for. Yeah, I mean, that nurse was gone through the ringer when uh, oh. she gave the, the paralytic versus the God. sedative. Yeah, what was her name? Um, DeVoe? Yeah, she was what, down in the Devo- south. was yeah. it? I don't know. Her name. I forget her name. But, but yeah, that was, that was very gross negligence. And yeah. uh, it ended up being dropped in a way or just yeah. probation or something like that. But, you know, no longer a nurse kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, certain things like in healthcare and... When other people's lives are on in your hands or in your responsibility, yeah. yeah, you probably are higher held to a higher standard. And I think that's kind of it is like, you know, even like the CTA conversation is like realizing your own responsibility in a situation and mm-hmm. kind of like acting accordingly. You know, um, I think you just have to realize when you're in a capacity to do something wrong you have to be very aware to not do those things wrong like if you're driving a car and you know you shouldn't take a turn you don't take a turn Mm -hmm. but i think just kind of like the lapse in judgment is what's been more concerning with like the kind of like police end of things it's like you know making the wrong choice here is going to have a significant impact in a lot of lives and i think now people care more from that like blue lives matter and because it's like oh you mean it's going to have an impact in my life and that's kind of like the self-centered and it's it's everybody you know people care more when you have something to lose Mm -hmm. and now it's like oh i could lose my pension you know like Mm -hmm. someone can lose their life and it's still not gonna feel like that magnitude until something happens to you and then it's all of a sudden like oh man i just took something away from myself and i think that's like I don't know, even like the whole pandemic, there was something that I don't care until it happens to you or someone, you know, exactly. And there was something that like in conversation, I think like Sam and I talked about or like, I don't even remember where it came from, but it was just like one of those moments you kind of like have an epiphany. But we were kind of talking about the language people were using in the pandemic and like with the masking, it was like with the masking. I think a lot of the narrative being pushed was like, and we did it wrong in my opinion, especially as Americans to say like your mask protects others, you know, do it for the people around you. You know, there's some people who are immunocompromised. There's all types of reasons you should wear a mask. All we had to say is it protects you. If we would have said it protected you, oh my God. Yeah, we're all self-centered and self-interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes you just have to play on that a little bit to know that's the angle to approach people with i mean like you know i work in kind of like a hybrid sales role now and i mean just speaking to people's ego mm. is what goes very very far, far. Yeah. yeah and i mean that's just ugh. i don't know to me that doesn't feel right you know but you can use those newfound powers for good too exactly <laughs> and i guess that's the thing is like the self-awareness is like like people, people have, I think, a love-hate relationship with Robert Greene's book of like 48 Laws of Power. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I think the people that read those books should are like responsible enough to not abuse those rules. And they're there. I mean, people that abuse them probably, you know, will abuse them either way. And it's just like, it's, it's how you use it. So it's... Yeah. I think some people are just like, it, it's a personality flaw to be like, okay, if I learn something I can abuse or if I'm in a position to abuse something I'm going to you know like 
I don't know. It's how, how do you spot people like that? I think as a lot of us become more experienced in life, we realize that we've dealt with people like that and didn't know we were dealing with people mm. who were very abusive yeah. or like would take an opportunity to abuse others or to take something at the disadvantage of someone else. Mm. And I think that's when you're kind of like, oh man, the world's kind of wild and you kind of learn your own responsibility as far as like, okay, I've come into some knowledge. Mm-hmm. How do I use this for good? And really, what is that good? Is that good for me? Is that good for everyone? Is that good for my family? Hopefully it's good for both, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can do something good for everyone, you figured it out, you know, but I think everything isn't good for everyone. Yeah. I mean, all of that's painting with really broad strokes. But right. So, um, I, I guess one more side tangent from, from like the hood life. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, do you think, do you think like, I don't know if this is the right term. This is, this is probably not the right term. Like the gang culture, are they still as altruistic right now? Cause I, you know, you and I both have seen some fucked up shit yeah. and, uh, and you hear shootings on the expressway and in the neighborhoods. And sometimes it's like kids being caught up in everything. Right. Oh. Like a few, few months ago, uh, there was a drive by right on Cermak and the car, it was, I think it was targeted because it was an, it was a blue suburban with black tints and like, like, how dare you drive that car? Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and that drove, I, all I saw was like it driving into a cell phone store or the wreckage. I didn't even see it happen, but like the office is right here. Right. Yeah. So like, and I've had students' parents call, like, is it safe in that neighborhood? I'm like, nowhere is safe. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's real shit, though. <laughs> like, let, let's be honest. Nowhere is safe. So is is it just as protective? Is, is gang culture still as altruistic? Are they looking out for each other? Or is it more senseless? Because I'm, I'm such an outsider, right? And, and not that yeah. saying you're in the, you know, gang culture. It's just, like, I think you're definitely more in tune with it than I am. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like, at some point, like, I was gang-affiliated, you know? Like, I was never in a gang, but yeah. I was always around people sure. who were, you know? And some people would be like, oh, that makes you, like, you know, a front or, like, you're posing or you're false flag. I never claimed to be that shit, you know? And I never wanted to either. But it's like, when you grow around your homies and they're into that, what do you do, just cut them off? Like, maybe I should have. In reality, maybe I should have. Um, but, you know, are gangs as altruistic as they were before? I don't think they ever were, to be honest. But when you, know, you say, like, like, you'd rather call your crackhead friend versus the cops, yeah. stuff like that, it's just, like, yeah. like is there is there, a, a, like, a purpose to what they're doing? Is there, like... Yeah. I think, so, I mean, we could really, like, get into the history of it. Like, gang culture, as I understand it, in Pilsen, is Chicago's a very segregated community, you know, and it's kind of by design, you know, between yeah. the viaducts, right, the, right. the L, Redlining, the trains right, passing. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, it's it's structural borders between each community i mean on pilsen you've got 16th street which is literally a yeah, wall. university village versus yeah. Pilsen, yeah. it's a wall all the way through you've got the dan ryan you know on your east side yeah. you've got 55 mm. which blocks us off the south side the south end yeah. and then you've got is this, is this western or, oh, western okay yeah you've okay. got western that blocks you off so like pilsen and arguably that's extending to like what's hard chicago people always argue about what's pilsen what isn't and now you know realtors are involved so everything's pilsen um, East Pilsen. <laughs> the way I understood it is that, yeah, East Pilsen's a thing now. Um, gangs kind of started here to protect the community. Yeah. You know, this was originally not a Hispanic community. And when Hispanic people came in, a lot of white flight happened. And then 
typically when everyone came in white flight meaning they leave exactly okay. yeah and i mean when hispanics came in basically it established as a hispanic community there was a lot of tension from and this is just what was told by me this is like no yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. hood story this telling, isn't, yeah this know? is your truth this isn't the truth exactly right? yeah. yeah um so a lot of the gangs around here kind of established themselves to protect the community and you know again that might be a more altruistic kind of statement than it really is but you know people were getting jumped there used to be a significant amount of projects on the other side of 16th street on the mm. viaduct so if you were outside the community you would get jumped you know mm. even within the community there's all types of issues so gangs around here were kind of to protect the people so to speak you know which if you buy into it whatever you know i'm just saying what i was told but you know I think anytime any group comes together, is it is it for the good of the group? Probably, you know, but is it good for everybody else like we were talking about? Probably not, you know, like, I mean, establishing gangs and, like, gang culture, what it is now, I feel like, well, gang culture is very different, mm. you know, than when I was growing up. I think there were kind of, like, there were rules, and a lot of those rules have gone away. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the Letterman jackets. Like, they're awesome. They used to have, like, you know, if you talk so to, like, you, somebody's you, uncle, you, he'll bust it out. It's an outward expression of, like, what yeah. you're, who you're affiliated yeah, with. Yeah, so, like, on the back, you know, I'm, what are, I don't want to use any real gangs, you know, but, like, okay, I've got a snake on the back, you know. If mm-hmm. you're wearing it, you're actively repping. And the way it used to be, if you were, like, passing through another neighborhood to, like, go see a girl or something, if you took it off, they shouldn't mess with you because you're not, like, actively front none on yeah you're not gangbanging in that territory you know like is that the way it went probably not but Mm. you know there were sets of rules i mean even like when drugs really started coming out here in the streets a lot of gangs were active and being like yo we don't want that we don't want crack in our neighborhood we don't want uh, have you ever heard of wiki sticks no it's embalming fluid like pcp embalming fluid and they basically dunk them and smoke them and you know, when... What does it do to people? Just, like... Just makes you trip, oh, like, no. insanely. Like, I, I don't know. That stuff's really horrible. But a lot of gangs, when I was growing up, were actively, like... You know, and, like, it's not like they were telling me because I was a shorty, but you're around conversations, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, they would... They had, like, policies, essentially, where it's like, yo, like, if you were, like, tripping on something like this, we're going to tie you up to a pole, and you're not going to do anything wild, you know? And, like... Stuff like that was like, okay, do gangs still have that? Maybe. I mean, I'm not in tune with it anymore. But at the same time, like, God, I just think with any organization, you need some, like, structure. Yeah, mission governance. Statement. Yeah, yeah it's, it's some mission <laughs> statement, you know. We don't smoke crack. <laughs> but my whole thing is, like, I feel like a lot of it now isn't even gang culture anymore. Like, the culture is so large on its own it's a beast that's grown its own legs like you don't have to be repping something or be affiliated to be out here gangbanging like we used to call it like neutrons like mm. basically neutral okay. you're not affiliated with something so neutrons basically aren't in gangs but you know if you got checked like you know you're walking down the street like oh what you is oh i'm a neutron they shouldn't mess with you that's basically saying like i don't do anything now it's like neutrons gangbang <laughs> like they will be out here like dipping gang signs doing everything and it's just like damn like it's crazy because like like i said like gang culture has grown its own legs you know like like what, know, what at, the, at this what do you Pandora's think box. right now like because there there's obviously a sense of belonging and community yeah. that maybe they weren't getting in their home right but like 
these days I, I wonder like for these kids like what what's the incentive like you hear and and, and with kids there's not much of <coughs> of a punishment or repercussion for things like carjacking and little little yeah. crimes like that right so like the older older members might you know encourage them like you will get a slap on the wrist you know we we need you to do certain things and she's like what's what are these kids incentives for like for just jacking jack, carjacking people jumping people like yeah. holding people at gunpoint like why are they doing this what are they getting out of this i don't know man honestly like you know i think money is a motivator for everything and i think people do it for money they do it for props you know it comes down to kind of like respect. your egos yeah your respect sometimes they're being told to do it you know just go bust a mission you know prove you're down um, but i think that's more so like uh, i would say that's like kind of like more gang true gang like you're in a gang type of stuff like we're giving you a mission you're gonna go do this you're gonna go you know shoot somebody you're gonna go steal something prove you're down but i think it just comes down to like money man you know and mm-hmm. like if we all knew how to make money we would all get it you know but like it's stealing a car the best way to do it no you're probably not getting a lot of money off of it are people just joyriding them most of the time probably you know to go do other things to kind of drive around and slang for a day and ditch the burner i mean like i think you had an experience with that where they like took your car and when they found it found there were like, like a few weeks, sketchy things in two there. weeks later in indiana it's, it's a burner. It's what yeah. they call a burner. You know, they yeah. had it. They got to do what they needed with it. And there's no trace back to them. No. You know, like. They're all like 17, 18 year olds. People are just pursuing their own interests for better or worse. You know, that's my opinion on so it. So what do you think is is the a possible uh, like cure to that? Is just is it more education? I mean, at that age, like, why do you want to stay in school? You know, like. Sidewalks. Is it, <laughs> so <laughs> I had this conversation with Sam recently. I was in. um morgantown west virginia and i was like there's no sidewalks here like i haven't seen a single person this is crazy and like legitimately like i don't know for better or worse there's too many places to chill like Mm. we're all just chilling outside everywhere you know like everyone's up to different things and it's cool you know it's good that's why people love chicago and this is a totally stupid answer by the (laughs) way but like yo we just have too many reasons to be outside you know and like i guess the deeper the deeper answer to that, why are we outside? You know, there's things. Why do driving. we not have things to do? Exactly. There's people driving people out of their, their homes if they have them. You know, situations they can't be in. There's just a lot of reasons. You know mm. what I mean? Like, <coughs> excuse me. I think at the end of the day, people just kind of want to be be free, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot more freedom being outside, especially when your parents aren't calling you in. You know, people really take for granted the fact that they had a family structure. And I mean, a lot of that is hypocritical on my part because, you know, when I was sneaking out, I wasn't being let out versus some of my friends. Nobody was calling them home. You know, nobody Mm -hmm. was asking where they were. My mom would go to sleep and we would sneak out. No shit. Sneak out through the window, you know, disable the alarm systems, which is like, we had alarm systems. That, that says a lot, you know, like my mom did very well for herself and for a single mother. Um, but I think a lot of people don't have reasons to be at home, you know, and you, the question is very like large, like, why is this happening? And it's just like, just take it for what it is. You know, people don't want to be at home and it's like, okay, but why do they do the things they do when they're yeah. outside? Well, what comes with not being at home? You get hungry, you need money, 
you you want to have fun. Well, well, the most I recent video games mob event was like at 31st Street Beach. It's just like all the comments are like, why are these babies out at, at you know 11 p.m. at night, two in the yeah. morning? And yeah, it's a mixture of like yeah, like exactly what you said. I mean, there there might not be strict rules, and then there are strict rules, and kids gonna be kids in yeah. a way, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's. So maybe what if you had parent like did your mom ever tell you like this these things can happen if you're out at this time? Oh my god! It's oh, like they did a yeah. page from her book. She would tell us flat out. She would speak about it like probability. So she would say, the more you are out, the more likely something is going to happen to you. When you step outside of that door, your chances go up. When you step outside that door at a certain time, mm. they're through the roof. And she, one of her big things is you need to be very self-aware. You know, like I'm very light-skinned, mm-hmm. but I look like something. Mm-hmm. I'm very ethnically vague. And, you know, there were just so many instances where, like, people try to figure out. And a lot of times it's the police. You know what sure. I mean? Um, yeah, my mom, my mom was huge on that. You know, like, you're stepping out of the door and you've just got so many strikes already. And, you know, to speak to that, some people have a lot more. You know, so you have to be aware of that, you know, and the way the world kind of will interact with you. You're, I mean, we take it a lot as we're interacting with the world. The world's interacting with us. Mm. You know, we're being tossed around as everyone sees yeah. fit but yeah my mom was huge on that like i think one of her big things was like she w- didn't want us out late at night it was always like come home for dinner and then we got to an age where it's like all right we're not coming home for dinner anymore and there's some parents that are, are kind of like okay well i'm locking the doors and i think she tried that we snuck out and it just kind of got to the point where it's like i can't control you guys and i think she turned to my grandfather to kind of reel us in on a lot of things because yeah. just Hispanic culture and I think a lot of cultures in general you respect your elders yeah. and that just compounds more as you go up and up and up the ladder so you know he would reel us in and I think we would kind of chill out and then you know we wild out again you know um, but I guess in your personal experience like what do you think was the catalyst for you to turn it around mm, dropping out of school that was a wake-up call? Yeah. I think, like, when I left school, it was just, like, a lot of things going on at that time. And I was just kind of like, man, like, the, this isn't for me, you know. My brother went to an alternative school at that point. I stayed and I finished in a four-year high school, which one isn't better than the other. But to me, I kind of just set up this um, goal for myself. Like, no, I'm going to pretty much do the time, you know, do mm-hmm. summer school, kind of punish myself, you know. And I think... That turned it around where I knew what I needed to do. Did I necessarily do it? Not so much. You know, I got to where I am now. So, yeah, I did it ultimately, you know, and kind of baby steps. You don't do it overnight. But I think for me, that was a big uh, that was a big turnaround, you know, just kind of exposure outside of the community too. like going to UIC was really cool because that was the first time I had like this culture shock where it's like, Dude, this is blocks away from my house. Yeah. Like, I grew up on 19th and Racine. What you, and culture shock in the set in the sense of like different people? Yeah, like mm-hmm. interacting with people and kind of just like just chilling with them, yeah, you know? And it's just a huge learning. commuter school, right? So you got yeah. a bunch of people. what normal people do. You know, <laughs> like normal. I mean, like, I think the thing that was like kind of crazy is like I don't know, take drinking for example. You know, it's not like I think everybody was coming into it and experiencing it at that time versus like, man, like oh. I'd been drinking before I was even a teenager, like, for better or worse, you know, like, I had had a lot of bad experiences, and to see people kind of having, like, 
positive experiences not that it's all positive experiences but just kind of like the culture shock of like the way i've always seen it Mm. isn't the way it actually is Mm. experience i guess you know culture shock meeting new people and kind of yeah what their experience what their relationships were like with things i already had a predetermined relationship with like smoking weed and just watching netflix versus like smoking weed and like going out and being crazy and like Mm. doing illegal things like just kind of like pumping the brakes like that was a huge turnaround for me and i think like honestly just kind of just realizing like in my own relationship you know like i just didn't want to like run crazy anymore you know what i mean like settling down and just kind of like you know i'm i would say i'm a spiritual person i'm not a religious person but like people always say like count your blessings like i had a lot of good things that i just like took for granted you know like even talking about like people had reasons to not be home i had every reason to be in my house and Mm. i was still just like ah out here (laughs) no damn reason um but i just think yeah kind of like stop taking things for granted is really what turned things around for me and like also my kid you know like i've got two kids now but you know when i had noah a lot of it just became like build 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 and that was like straight out of high school you know like i graduated 2010 he was born october 2012 so you figure like I had one year out and it was just like, you know, straight to having a kid. But I don't know, man, is my advice for everyone, you know, go have a kid. And as a teenager, <laughs> that's, that's the, the cure. Yeah. We just have a kid guys. all need to have kids. I'm sure younger. a lot of them have kids. Kids fucking parenting kids, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like even just kind of thinking about that, like we, like Sam and I are probably like an exception rather than you know the actual case all across the board like it's hard as hell to be a teen parent like emotionally you know and just kind of like financially there's just so many factors you know what i mean um yeah go have a kid (laughs) everybody in doubt go have a kid right now so uh (laughs) reel it back in i mean so we're at we're at northwestern together right and uh yeah, we got far off Would from you? Northwest. <laughs> it was a pleasant surprise. Northwesters listening to the podcast, like, damn, we don't want to be affiliated with this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what what were your thoughts on that role? Was it was it a nice change in pace? Like, what what was it? It was dope. Um, I mean, I really liked it. I think we had really great mentors there. Um, I mean, it was a role that I think I just kind of like thrived in personally. You know, not to like toot my own horn but like you learn everything on the job yeah and then it's kind of up to you as much as you want to do or as little as you want to do like there's a very high skill cap for like what an anesthesia tech is capable of and there's also a very low bar at the same time where it's like all right came in sploosh sploosh splash chords <laughs> i'm out um but then like when you're working like weekends for example when you're juggling you know cvors you're helping with transplant start cases and you got traumas downstairs it's like man like that's when you're really like obviously there's a scope for yeah. what we can do you know i was gonna say something off the record but you know do you always stick to the scope mm. yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. Absolutely. absolutely guys um no but I, I just think it was like a really dope role for like growing you know what i mean um I, it, it's a career if you want it to be 
I would say and that's that. what that's what Alex and uh, and mainly Alex, but I guess Marty as well, who's been in it for several decades now. But uh, both Alex and I went, we interviewed together, and I walk in, and I'm just being like my bubbly self, like, "Oh, how's it going? I'm Victor." Yeah. And uh, kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, like in his head, he'll tell you this. He's like, "Is this guy like interviewing for my job?" <laughs> but we both got the job, and we both oh, got you were interviewing hired. against each other. That's what that maybe that's what we thought, right? Yeah. And uh, no, but they were they had met several positions, and. Uh, while we were sitting, they put us in an empty OR to read the anesthesia book and I remember doing filling that. out all these fucking forms and shit. So cold. And, uh, yeah, it's so cold. I thought it was psychological torture. I was like, oh man, they're really trying to see if I can like hack it right now. And I, I asked him, I'm like, oh, how, how, like, how long do you think you'll be here for? And, and, and he's like, forever. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm only here for three years. And it's almost been like, it's been over five years now. Yeah. And, uh, at the time, I still had pre-PA um, <coughs> aspirations, physician assistants. So this I was like a stepping stone to get more patient care experience because at the time, the ambulance job wasn't cutting it as far as paycheck. So this was a lot more money, less responsibility yeah. in a way, and uh, which is one reason why Anthony didn't like it because, you know, you, you're a fresh paramedic and you don't, you don't have any patient care. Like, what, what am yeah. I doing? Right? Let me do the wild stuff. So... Um, Five years later, it's just like I'm still there, and I, I I'm there because I get to work with people like Alex, right? Yeah. And uh, I, it's also like my very very safety net. Like if everything else in my life fails, like I still have that. That's the same um, way I felt about it. Okay, I had a hard time leaving it, and it got to the point where like they were like, "Look, we're not pressuring you, but you got to give us like one day at least, so we can keep you on a roster just from gotcha. like a corporate standpoint." And I couldn't give it to him just because of the travel, you know, like I couldn't commit to a schedule. Did you, so you were already doing sales at this point. Yeah. So I stayed why, for like why almost, did you think? Yeah, you did. Yeah, almost like a year. I mean, I wasn't made working up, I frequently. I would just kind of it was, pop like, it was up, a pleasant you know? surprise when you did pop up, yeah. right? I know. It, it on, felt on, like on the days that we both popped yeah. up at the same time, it's like, oh, OK, that's you know, cool. When the squad was rolling deep. Yeah. No. When that happens, it's like it's a really good times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think people feel comfortable too. like, you know, all all other things aside, as far as like us all liking hanging out, like even the, the CMAs, job got the done residents. very well. Yeah. They knew they had great support. Like I remember going there and they'd be like, you're here. And it's yeah. like, yeah, let me mess something up. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, why did you feel, I guess kind of segue to the sales. Like, why did you feel like you needed, you still needed a safety net? Mm. I guess because like numbers can always change, you know, like we had a very good year last year. Now it's very slow. I mean, luckily I make a salary that I'm comfortable with, mm-hmm. but a lot of other sales jobs, the salary's small compared to what your commissions are. Yeah, with this, it's very Do you like balanced. the commission kind of structure? I do. Um, they keep changing it, and that's just sales. They change it every single year. Um, I do. I'm happy with it. In my role, I'm not true sales. I'm what's called a clinical specialist. Mm-hmm. So I'm a clinical specialist for anesthesia, and it's nice because I'm included on commissions a lot of times you aren't oh. as a non-sales person are you more of like a consultant for them in a so way? i would say i'm like education mm. um and we don't have a true sales team which is also part of it mm. uh, we just recently hired people for sales they're what's called territory managers and they pursue opportunities basically yeah. we didn't have territory managers before so i was functioning in both roles which i feel like is probably why they compensated us very well on commissions but i mean i like it 
I, I love my job. You know, next year is it going to be different from a commission standpoint? Maybe, but that's the thing with sales from everything I've understood. Mind you, I've only been in it two years. It feels like forever, but mm. in those two years, you know, you do a lot of work. Um, they could change a lot next year. So I yeah. just kind of feel like a safety net is how, important. How is it like traveling? You travel a lot, right? Like how is Weekly, it that with, with being, yeah. a, being a, a dad, like how is it? It was really hard, especially seeing Luna. I mean, yeah. she's she's my baby, so right. like not being around her, I would be like in my hotel room, you know, like that Wolverine meme. <laughs> yeah. It would just be me He's with Luna. In bed, yeah, 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 and then I'd scroll past <laughs> Noah and be like, you're cool too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that was my baby, you know, like I had an Android and switched to iPhone just so I could FaceTime her. Oh, wow. um, and that's commitment in the 21st, or 2022. Um, but she had a really hard time with it, which made me have a really hard time with it. Um, travel is cool to people who don't have to do it. You know, like when you're doing travel that you want to do, mm. it's completely different than when you're being yeah, forced like to attendant. travel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like flight attendants are probably feel the same way. You know, like the travel that they do that they want to do, like I'm sure they love, but the travel they do that they're forced to do, they probably pretend is cooler on instagram <laughs> yeah um which which to, i mean the same degree you try to make the most out of what you're doing you know like i love eating places when i'm traveling for work right. but do i like to travel no if it was up to me i would be at home or traveling with my kids it's a different type of travel yeah. like let's just say it that way traveling for work is not traveling for pleasure you yeah. can make it that but i feel like you're fronting at the end of the day, like yeah, you're just putting on a mask. Exactly. Yeah. Or you don't take work home with you. You know, my travel is different because I go back to my hotel room and now it's office hours versus like, Ooh. you know, if someone, I mean, like a flight attendant is a good example. You know, I don't know their role specifically, but I think when they go back to their hotel, it's kind of like, all right, this is your time now versus yeah. like, I fell behind on work by being on assignment, you know? Okay. Um, so to bring it full circle, like what, are your ingredients to cultivate a sense of fulfillment in any industry in, in, I guess the industries you've been a part of. Hmm. I think you, for me. Yeah. And I mean, that's all I can really speak to is like, I just want to pursue every opportunity, you know, like, mm -hmm. they're not all going to be great ones. You know, I've taken roles when I left Northwestern, the role I was in, I liked my job, but I found it very difficult to be in like administration or in management was prior to going into sales. I oh, was yeah, because you went to UFC. Yeah, Holy I was in shit. a leadership role there. And I just found leadership is, it's very different than, not from what I expected, what I expected there. You know, um, the team we had at Northwestern was not the team that I inherited yeah. at the other place. And, you know, they're, they're both great in their own ways. But, oh, man, do you want to be the person that's picking up that phone for every call off? I mean, just think of any job you've worked. Do you want to be the person having to deal with the results of someone calling off every day? Yeah. Some people do. Some people like it. Right. But and, and to it, it. what's tough is you're in that leadership position, but what if you're not in the position to let go of the people that consistently call off? And that's the thing. Your leadership, but your leadership, you get reminded very quickly of how far your reach really is or how much power you really have. And you start to realize why things are the way they are very quickly you're more of a babysitter places. then exactly mm. yeah yeah exactly um a babysitter without the authority to discipline the people you are or the children if we're going with the analogy <laughs> yeah that, that is a perfect analogy the yeah. babysitter cannot discipline the children ah. outside of what the parents allow them to do like 
if you come yeah, home to your babysitter and it's like your child is like i don't know what's like a really horrible punishment <laughs> not watching cartoons no ipad and you didn't say hey take away their ipad if you know they you don't like the way they talk to you you know just keeping it mild you're gonna be like whoa i didn't say you could take away their ipad like that makes them happy you know but like it's a good analogy because it's yeah. like the babysitter does not have the parental authority unless the parental authority is like, go ape shit, right. <laughs> do what you want. Right, right. We're, we're currently experiencing something where several people have come up to management to share negative experiences about someone who's not pulling their weight. Dude, that's so important. But then the management is like, you know, you didn't come to me soon enough. What's the, where's the evidence? And as far as evidence go, apparently you can get fired for recording someone on your phone. You yourself can be fired yeah, for that on your phone. I had that experience and I was like, what do you want me to do? You're we, both going to get in trouble. You're on your phone recording this person. I get it. But then it also turned out the call that they were making, they, they were on work, but it was related to something medical. And it's like, did you just record someone having a private conversation first of all do they know you were in the room you recorded them and they're discussing a personal medical matter like this is sounding more like you're going to get in trouble and do you want me to pursue this like because this could end really bad for everybody and yeah so i mean what was even frustrating is like is like when the initial person who came forward uh was accused of being a racist when that's such a blanket statement. And when you're just talking about one person and not a whole race in general, like how can you be, so he was shook and he asked his other coworkers, can you back me up? Cause he knows everyone thinks the same thing. And he's like, do you all want to get in the line of fire? (laughs) Yeah, essentially. But, but several people actually came together and brought it up to management and still nothing. And they're like, my hands, my hands are tied. It's just like, come on. That balance is really hard between like, legitimate racism in the workplace and like what people perceive as someone like playing the race card yeah you know and both exist you know sure um but i just think a situation like that is like oh my god from a management like supervisor standpoint like oh my god this is so hard to deal with i i imagine you you tread carefully right very carefully uh, and that's easy to cancel people right but yeah in those roles you always have to tread very carefully because i think when you even dip down to not down that's the wrong word but when you're acting as if you're not someone's one of supervisor yeah. or someone's kind of authority figure it's it's gonna bite you like yeah. it, it's definitely gonna bite you when the wrong person is in the room if you're playing favorites and stuff <clears throat> exactly like that, right? yeah right. i mean if you're playing just don't play you know playing right. favorites playing Be games yeah just go in there dry as possible that's when you will have the best results like but it's also like, is that how you want to live? I mean, a good amount of our life is spent working. So it's a significant amount of your life that you're just like dry. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and again, you know, like we were talking about earlier, what's soul crushing to you and what isn't, you know, I think I'm like a super playful person as much as like I can be serious. But like, I don't know, you come home and it's kind of hard to wind down from that role, you know, like. I don't know, like method acting, you know, like they've done like all the, I think it's called method acting. Mm-hmm. Like they've done all this research about how people like get into them. those characters yeah. and can't get out of it. Like mm-hmm. why is our daily life any different when you're essentially being fake, you know, like mm-hmm. to be this like stern figure, you're going to go home and kind of, it's hard to turn that off. You can do it. Like 
I don't know. I think for me, like a huge decompression, I've, I think a lot of us do is like just sitting in your car for a bit. I go home and I'm just, just like, there, yeah. <laughs> just zoning out. <laughs> <laughs> like literally thinking about everything and nothing at the same time is just so important. But that's also like meditation in a way, you know, is it like yeah. common practice meditation? You know, I think that's more what it is than like actually like, you know, having your mantra or your phrase, but like, I will just sit there and just be like, take it away spotify <laughs> we need a, a quick five to ten minutes but, yeah. so what to, for you personally like what have you found in every role that you've had like what has contributed to you f- feeling like lit up and and very present in your role mm. is it is and to me like some things that come to mind are things like is there an opportunity like do you feel challenged in your role that's important do your decisions make an impact do they have weight yeah, I think um, all those things are important. There's kind of like things related to the role that make you feel very like, kind of like accomplished or fulfilled. Yeah. It's things non-related to the role. Like, you know, obviously a paycheck is everyone's motivation. You can say it's not, but at the end of the day, it's what provides you with the things that are important to you. It's the most objective way to measure success. Um, but fulfillment through that, you know, comes from a lot of soft skill not skills but like other you know non-objective ways things that are hard to measure um so aside from like feeling challenged the ability depending on who you are to be creative right how much flexibility and that was a huge part of me that i felt like i've kind of let go of Mm. recently like creativity i need to be you need to be that yeah that's like a huge point you're speaking to is like so Noah got the, well, I bought him the VR headset. No, I saw your, I saw that. You you were having a good time. Yeah. I mean, like I came out of that thing like, wow. you were, You were on your tippy toes at one point. <laughs> My mom, she was there while I was using it. And she's like, you look like you're ready to light a cigarette and go to sleep. She's like, you look very satisfied <laughs> with having painted. You got to watch uh, Mark Zuckerberg posted an Instagram today about he's trying out like different qualities of what a VR headset can accomplish so yeah. things like tracking your eyes and changing the focus things that are bigger blurry and things that are in focus yeah. making things more tactile right if you grab something do you feel it in your hand yeah. if you shook someone's hand can you feel that right yeah. because sitting that- in a zoom meeting is not as the same as sitting across from someone like i would never host an episode over zoom yeah. and uh if you can use vr and you can look you know you can have that like real world feeling it's crazy <laughs> well my son took it off and when he took it off i was like isn't this vr crazy and he's like this is normal what do you mean and i was like well which is cooler <laughs> did you ever take him to uh justine's cousin went to old orchard to do that vr there's a vr like center oh is it like center. one where you can like run on there, it there's and a everything? space it used to be like like a macy's or something like that yeah. now it's just like an open floor plan no i gotta check it out yeah but there's also like age restrictions on a lot of that stuff like i had to I'm be sure noah very... would be qualified yeah plus noah he's a tall kid <laughs> yeah. that kid is like wow you know what i loved um how you guys set him up with like a cooking thing yeah like, so fun. my brother did that oh really okay. yeah my okay, brother okay. as a christmas present him and his wife were like so thoughtful which in reality it's always our wives they like plan yeah, the presents absolutely. and everything absolutely so they got him something called uh, Radish Kids. Love it. So that's not a plug. That's just facts. <laughs> Sponsor <laughs> so, us, Radish yeah. Kids. So it's really cool. They send you like a um, like cooking, what would it yeah. just be called, like a utensil? So well, like, it's kind of like the, you can get this for adults too, like HelloFresh. Yeah. Like you can get yeah, prepackaged so, amounts of ingredients and you just throw shit together. So they didn't do the ingredients. Oh. And at first I was like, oh, that's whack. But then 
it's cool because like I'm really big on cooking too and getting your ingredients is a huge part it of is. cooking. That's so when different. I was like, thank you for not getting this because going to the grocery store and even just it's raising your kids. Exactly. Like we would go and he would pay, he would do like I mean even just teaching your kids all the things How to look for good quality yeah. knock on the watermelon all the little things sniff the navel you know looking like a weirdo in the supermarket <laughs> teaching them all those things is part of the experience so like i thought it was dope like it was yeah. something like we would just do on the weekends and like even when i was gone it was cool because like sam would like cook with them mm. all day long and it would just be like damn like they're busy you know like <coughs> excuse me it's a lot easier to not miss somebody when you're occupied i think like when you're at home it's like I wonder what they're doing, you know, and just knowing that like they were occupied, so they weren't missing me as much. Yeah, made my life a lot easier. Sure, I mean, especially doing like weekend jobs. Oh my god! Well, you're just happy that now you have such a full like personal life too. It's just yeah, it's kind of dope. I mean, I feel like I'm at the point I've always wanted to be, and never Mm. thought I would. You know, like I, I guess I have this conversation with my mom a lot. I knew I would get to a good place, but I doubted it at the same time if that kind of makes sense doubted it and did you ever feel like is there anything else out there yeah yeah definitely and like again you know i just hit a lot of crossroads where it's like okay is this is the sure path to like success you know what i mean and not success enough you know financial or materialistic way but this is a path to success as far as having the basic things that i need Mm. and being able to actually enjoy those to the extent that I want, you know, living yeah. in a house that I want to live in, you know, just, I don't, they're not you're, basic li- you're things, living life on your terms now. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I don't want to say like quality of life because, you know, if you're living that, that's good quality of life already in mm, my opinion, true. you know what I mean? Um, but just kind of like the, the extra things, you know, I, I cared about the extras that were important, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, it's just such a trip to be at this place. Like, this point in life i feel like i'm kind of like all right here comes the midlife crisis because i'm checking off way too many things but it makes me so happy you know like when i bought the first car that i really wanted like at that point i didn't have my grandfather anymore but we always used to joke that he drove a pimp wagon like he always had these like cadillacs and like you know these very nice cars i like man i want him to drive in my pimp wagon (laughs) you know but like just hitting those places they're essentially dreams you know like as corny as it sounds but like making your dreams come true is like Mm. wow that's that's fulfilling that's like super super fulfilling um and you know i don't know a lot of it it's like is it materialistic sure but like i enjoy like going out to dinner with my family is that materialistic not really like i just think there's like a lot of like i don't know I guess I kind of like feel guilty sometimes for like being like, oh, I'm enjoying having money now. But it's like, but this is what I wanted. (laughs) I've been broke for so long. Yeah. I, uh, who was it? Was it, it wasn't, um, it was a a guy that does finance. Uh, not rich dad, poor dad, but like, I think he wrote the book. I will teach you how to be rich or something like that. But like one of his statements was like, was like become very self-aware of like what you get a lot of joy and enjoyment from yeah. and uh but then be merciless and cut out the things that don't bring you joy so Absolutely. whether that's and be very specific so whether that's like taking 
one vacation every year and sitting in first class on that trip. Yeah. Or, and like you said earlier, the ability to not look at your receipt when you go to Whole you want to shop at Whole Foods and yeah. not be worried about what you're spending at Whole Foods. Identify what brings you joy and then do what you got to do to make that money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess the hard thing to it too is like time-wise, mm. you know, you... Oh God, my brother told me something and it kind of blew my mind. I feel like it's a very common saying, but it's like something like when you have the time, you don't have the money. When you have the money, you don't have the time. And then I think there's like a yeah. third part that's more uplifting. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. just kind of like the bummer to it. But I don't know. I think like even like now, Sam and I are trying to like strike a balance. Like again, traveling for me is kind of like I, I travel too much. Like I, sure. I enjoy being at home and it's work travel. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it drains your cup, you know, and yeah. personal travel fills your cup. So it's kind of like when we start talking about trips, it's like, don't make me do that. You know, like, <laughs> but we've kind of been talking about it and it's like, well, that's what's fulfilling for her. And I think like hmm. you have to kind of understand that like fulfillment's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be like, damn, I really don't want to do this, but it's like, okay. You know, if it fulfills you, it's important to you. You're important to me. Yeah. Fine. Let, let's do it, you know, but like, obviously there's priorities too. like, dude, we're just about to buy this house. And like, my God, it's just been months of stress. Like, sure. oh my God, it's insane <laughs> to buy a house right now. And like, the thing that's crazy is like, I guess like money is all like relative to like, I feel like I have a good amount of money and like going into like some of the houses, it's like, okay, I need a loan for part of this. Other people are like, no, we got that cash. And it's like, okay, how, how do I compete with someone dishing out this mm. much money cash? You know, like, but I feel like the market's kind of chilling out a little bit now. Hopefully. There's a lot more inventory out there. Um, I mean, I'm starting to feel that like money conversation, especially planning a wedding and kind of thing. And I, dude, we canceled our wedding. Alex I, th- I told think me. I forgot to tell you that. Yeah. Alex told me. <laughs> Not well, he, to cut he you said, off, but it's going to be like a, a party or something like that instead yeah. of like a whole wedding. We're going to do like a house party, which is like, we're some house party motherfuckers, so it's going to be better anyway. <laughs> well, that's what Sinji was saying. Uh, her ideal wedding is, uh, well, first just buying her dream home yeah. and then having the wedding in the Filling backyard. It up with all the things that are important to you. So, yeah. And when I say things, I mean everything. Yeah. Right, you know? right, right, right. I guess people aren't things, but you know, you want to fill it up with the people you love, the things you love, the food you love. And it's like, I think there's more ability to do that in your home versus like a lot of venues. I mean, like, and plus we're buying like a big ass house. Like we want to yeah. fill it with people. Otherwise right, there's right, no point. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, how much people dish out for that. But if you got it, you know, why not? Yeah. How I, is, sorry, I cut you off, but how is the wedding planning going? It's been fun. I mean, we're seeing our first, we're seeing Bridgeport Art Center uh, on Thursday. Um, But yeah, it makes you think. It's like all this money could could be a down payment, you know? So it makes you think. And um, it's a, you know, it's not just my decision. If she really wants it, then whatever, you know, we'll Mm. make it happen. You're already sounding like a husband. It's not my decision. (laughs) It's not my, it's it's not solely my decision, (laughs) right? And I don't want her to feel like, like when I, because when I say it's, your wedding you can do what you want she's like it's our wedding because that's good because she's been there i mean not to speak for justine but the it was very the last relationship was like very absentee to the point where it's like let's go ring shopping and while we're doing that she's doing all the all the picking and choosing and then he's just on his phone in the corner right Mm -hmm. so you don't want to do that either right this is definitely a partnership so yeah i mean that's it's a it's a fun process so far um what is difficult is like 
who makes that guest list because it yeah. just gets dude the guest list is so stressful it gets really uh long very fast yeah i think like the hard thing for me was like grouping like there's like certain well, groups when you like when you'd you rather have friends and family right it's yeah. like damn yeah and don't get me wrong like my immediate family it's no questions yeah. asked but like i think when i start getting to like you know we're hispanic so everyone's our cousin yeah. like our cousin's cousin's cousin you know but like how do you someone like, someone said like if if they've never been your home or don't plan to be in your home like as yeah. a get to, over, over dinner right like should they come well yeah. like sam's thing was like oh if we haven't talked to them in a few months and i want to be like it's a pandemic or it was a pandemic like i've talked to i have not talked to very close friends for some time a lot of people moved away from the city too like just the age we're at a lot of people's lives are very in flux right now and changing like i'm not gonna hold it against somebody so that for me that was a bad rule um but ultimately what we just came down to is like who are we gonna have fun with you know like we pretty much put together a list that was just like non-judgmental like everybody on there is just good people cool mm. people our people um i think the thing that was actually harder was like a lot of family because it's like oh how do you say you're cool you're not you're cool because like so like some of my second cousins you know like I'm close to them, but then there's like the younger siblings where it's like, I'm not paying for your plate. And like, the thing is you, you still look at a lot of family, like, oh, you're a little kid, but they're actually like 25 now, you know, 21 now. And it's just like, I'm still not playing for chicken tenders, even if you are 25, you know, like there's just like certain family members, there's more of like a generational divide, like I'm closer to both my parents are youngest of seven so we're the yeah. youngest out of all the cousins and there is that generational gap yeah where you but, feel more like you're talking to like an aunt or yeah, an uncle or something yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah so we're navigating that right now and i think it's a good place to start because that dictates you know how much food you'll need what space can hold you kind of thing so yeah you yeah, need the number man it's we're all about that. that number you know like yeah and i think we had like a rough number we're going big and then we started looking at pricing for that number and we we're like oh it was did, like half i did that. not know it'd be like a hundred per head dude the plates like you just want to be like this better be the best macaroni and cheese <laughs> ever and dino nuggets <laughs> no, and but. you know and and uh who was it alex's brother frank uh was just like yeah and some people <coughs> rsvp'd yes and they just didn't show up dude, no excuse it's just like come on that's the thing i dread like so like ricky uh, we had invited Ricky, and I had actually already had the conversation with Sam. I was like, he, he's dating someone seriously now. Like, I have to invite her. And she was like, okay, would you pay for her plate personally? And I was like, yes, that's my friend's girlfriend. Yeah. And she was like, look, what we're going to have to do for, like, some, like, plus one type of things is, like, after we're done serving the plates, because it just makes it more expensive, you know. Once we start dancing, when drinks are poured, like, have them come through the back door. And I was like... Yes, the hood way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like hood to the very end. You know? I was awesome. like, yeah, cool. We won't pay for a plate. But then we were also planning on doing like taco trucks at the end of the night. And Mason it's like, did it perfectly. Dude, that was so dope. That's where we got the idea Al Patron, from. yeah. Yep. Oh, and they were man. so good. Too. Those are bomb tacos. That was a really fun wedding. Yeah. I mean, and, and imagine if you didn't have to pay for the venue and you just did it in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, I think our backyard is like the size of the venue now. Yeah. So, um, the, only thing, the only thing that sucks is pretty much going to lose the deposit on like the planner on the venue oh, so you had all that stuff oh shit. Yeah, shit no problem wasting my money <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know we had put some deposits down but ultimately i think like for the stress that it's saving just better you yeah. know like 
because we're our closing dates the 30th mm. and then we were planning on having this wedding in october so like i mean there's just not even month wise week wise it's like back that's that's too stressful man you know like i didn't want to do that to her so the minute she started kind of like oh, this is a little too much i was like look if you don't want to do it that's fine you know like sometimes i think i drag my feet a little bit more and it's like let's just do it you know you you want to and it's also like i guess being a supportive partner too is like you have to support your partner even in their like uncertainty if today Mm. it's a yes and tomorrow it's a no like i'm down for it you know like i think being rigid or being like yesterday you told me you didn't want it and now you do is like it's not fair we're all graceful and and yeah it's a a huge stressful thing and i think you should be allowed to change your mind on things on a day-to-day like for us canceling our wedding it wasn't like i'm not marrying you no it's not (laughs) it's like we're married already girl (laughs) for better or what i was gonna say for better or worse no till death do we part (laughs) i guess both are true (laughs) for better or worse girl (laughs) that's amazing yeah no it's cool i mean like i don't know i think the thing that's kind of like crazy about like marriage is like we're in a very different generation than our parents were like the marriage like signified like we're moving in we're starting the family and like i think like our generation dates so heavily not like in the sense of like dating a bunch of people but like when you're dating someone and it's going in that direction like you're you're essentially married dog like i know yeah like so what what changed after you got married uh taxes uh taxes and insurance i mean and as much as i'm joking like you're marrying uncle sam like that is really what it is bro and like I think ultimately the reason we decided, like, let's just put it on paper because we were never, like, too stressed about it. We were like, okay, we'll just get around to it eventually. I mean, like, honestly, I feel like it was an errand that we were, were not running for a long time. Not to downplay marriage, but just, like, it was something we wanted to do. We just weren't making, like, the time or the date, and eventually we just eloped, went to City Hall, filled out paperwork, which is like, hello, that's what an errand sounds like. Yeah. You know? um, so we essentially just kind of, like, ran that errand that day. Um yeah, but honestly, it's the government getting involved in your business, you mm-hmm. know, like, and not to be like all like, get out of my business, <laughs> you know, like, I hate you, Uncle Sam, but you're just bringing the government into your relationship and, you know, you just leverage certain things. But I think the thing that, <coughs> excuse me, Sam and I talked about a lot is just like kind of the biological difference and like, there's a huge biological difference as far as like time and commitment between men and women that men were just so like dopey about and never even factor women have to have children by a certain point and i'm not saying they have to like but if they want to. to yeah correct if they want to there is a clock and i mean now studies show for men there's also a significant clock where you know our I don't want to get icky, you know, (laughs) but we have a clock too, to a certain point, you know, but I think like not enough men are aware of that or respectful of that, especially when you're dating someone, you need to make your intentions very clear. Like what you're in your late twenties, early thirties, mid thirties. It's just like, come on. What if you're, someone told me like, if you're with someone for at least six months and they're in that age range, like you owe them a kid if they want a kid. Right. Exactly. And it's like, Again, you know, you try to be, like, very um, mindful about, like, how you phrase it. But, like, if a woman wants to have a child and she is dating you and she wants to have a child with you, you know, it's just kind of, like, respectful, especially if this is your partner. What an honor. Have that conversation, you know, like, what's your timeline look like? You have to 
like normalize talking about timelines, you know, for important things. And I think for something like this, like, again, it just comes down to like men. We're too dopey. Like, we'll have a kid when we're ready. Meanwhile, like just fucking around left and right. Exactly. Like our girls looking at us like that's what you think. And this is getting significantly harder. And I think that's also like kind of like where I'm at in my life, too, is like health all of a sudden is just kicks down your door like and it's just like now you have to start paying attention to a lot of things like you know even working in ems like all of a sudden you start feeling that ache in your back and it's like damn i know exactly on what patient that Mm -hmm. happened and i didn't address it the way i should have but like i don't know i guess your priorities are just different when you're older where it's like let's let's start taking care of ourselves and taking care of the people around us you know from a different standpoint of like my health and their health and yeah. you know their i don't know maybe other people this was just normal conversations to them but you know it's not like anything i really learned from like my parents to oh, have no. these conversations you know dating's like yeah find a good person marry that good person you know and that's the criteria but i think there's just like so much more to unpack like i think like sex education we do such a poor part of that and like maybe we just misphrase it like we should just have relationship education like the same way we have education and everything else how to not gaslight people like Mm. these are all things you have to go and like learn as an adult on your own to be like holy shit this is what was going on but now that you know all these things is there a way to weave that into your kids yeah i think right my kids are like i mean not to toot our own horns yeah my kids are super well adjusted like i don't know if that's the right word but it's what came to mind like well-rounded and they're good people yeah Yeah, like yeah i mean like man i'm just trying to think there's like so many examples of just like luna so like luna is just like very like innocent and like i think as an adult your view on the world is like race is like huge you know just kind of being aware of things she was at the playground and there were two african-american little boys playing and she went up to one, was playing with him, talking to him. And then she went up to the other one. And she was like, is that your brother? And I think, like, Sam, like, cringed. Like, okay, sure. two people of the same race doesn't mean they're related. You know, it's just, yeah. like, uncomfortable to talk about. And then he was like, oh, why'd you say that? And she's like, because you guys have the same haircut. And walks away. Like, nothing about, like, skin color or anything. And, like, you know, part of that is, like, you know, people always say, like, the whole, I don't see race thing, which through is, like, your you lens, need... right? Like, through your perspective. And yeah. And like, but, oh, it's a color thing. Oh, it's a yeah. hair thing, actually. Yeah. And, like, you know, for us, I feel like it's, like, you need to see race. It's an important part of yeah. conversations to acknowledge someone's identity. But, like, for kids just to see they're so, like, innocent, just to be like, oh, you know, it's two dark-skinned boys playing together. They're siblings. No, it's, like, two kids with the same haircut. <laughs> Amazing. But, no, I, I just feel like my kids are... We've made a lot of choices in parenting, and I feel like it, it's just doing so well for them. Like, when we were looking at schools, we both went to, like, entirely Hispanic. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, we both went to entirely Mexican schools, pretty mm. much. Not in Mexico, but, like, everyone there was from Mexico, the kids, mm. you know, or their parents were from Mexico. And we just kind of made the choice, like we want more diverse education, you know, as far as like who they're around. So we actually, when we're looking at schools, like you can pull up like pie charts, the breakdown. Yeah. yeah, The breakdown. And we 
It was a pretty involved process. We did like selective enrollment for NOAA and mm. like you have to get waitlisted. You essentially get assigned like a lottery number. <clears throat> and we like literally sent them to the most diverse school you could send them to. And like, it's just like done so well for him. Like nice. I don't hear any ignorant comments out of his mouth. I'm like, you know, it's not that I'm dense. It's just that he's very aware, like the way he expresses himself, like even when everything like we were talking about, you know, was going on with the police. You know, my mother-in-law is a police officer. She's been a police officer for like 20 years. We just had like an honest conversation with her and with us at the table. Mm. Like, so why is this happening? You know, and I think even she was pretty straightforward to say, you know, there are some bad police out there, you know, and I think he got that was what like two years ago already the yeah, right. was happening so he was seven at the yeah. time and he's like well police their job is to find bad guys right and it's like very like surface level but then like just kind of like his approach to it to even like be able to like analyze things like well is everyone that they think a bad guy really a bad guy and it's mm-hmm. like damn kid mm-hmm. like you're having some profound thoughts at a very young age and then, like, there, there's other levels to it, too, where, like, I feel like he, well, both of my kids kind of think from, like, a very non, I don't want to say non-conformist because that sounds very, like, corny. Mm-hmm. But, like, sometimes we watch kids' movies and they're rooting for the villain because they're like, that's not wrong. Like, <laughs> what they're saying makes no. a lot of sense. I mean, Noah's, like, I, I don't know. They, they just, they amaze me in, like, how critical they are sometimes in their thought from like a little a little human you know it's so amazing but like you know sometimes sam and i are just like where do they get all of this from and like you know of course our moms everyone's mom thinks the world and they're like they get all their brilliant thoughts from you and it's like no like these kids i really feel like they're like gifted and everyone thinks that of their kids but i'm right about mine Uh, I mean, like, everybody, you know, thinks they have the most beautiful, brilliant children in the world. And, like, I don't know. I'm kind of at a point where it's, like, respecting people's perspective. We all do. Like, kids are just great. They're so amazing, you know, just to see, like, their thoughts and actions, you know. Like, it's all what you teach them. There's a certain amount of, like, temperament, how they approach things that are just, I feel like, natural to humans overall. But, like, I don't know, kids are just so great. You know, like, sometimes it just makes you wonder how people can, like, go out of their way to, like, teach kids, I mean, just as a society, what we consider to be horrible, wrong things, you know? Um, I Like, Sam and I have been super upset, like, not to be, like, super, like, left softy, like, not even, like, anti-gun conversation, but, like, everything that happened with all these school shootings recently, mm-hmm. I think, like, as a parent, it's just like so fucking disturbing man because like you you spend so much time with your kids close to you like not even out of your eyesight you know like those formative years like they're an arm's length away for most of their life you know especially more so i was raising my daughter through this pandemic so it's not like we were going a lot of places you know we were outside it's kind of like okay um but then at some point in a world that's not like this, I feel like there's still just anxiety with not being around your kid. You know, like my kids are at home right now. You know, they started their summer break. I know they're fine, but there's always this like kind of like anxiety when you're not around them. I think yeah. it's just like parental, you know. It kind of brings more um, clarity into like tomorrow is not guaranteed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like 
my perspective all through my life has kind of been like that you know like oh i won't get to see this age i won't get Mm. to see that age and then all of a sudden like you're at that age and it's like wow this is amazing yeah yeah um you know it's a it's a good ride that really every day of it you have to appreciate not having kids and trying to have kids now so it's kind of interesting i mean like again like we were talking about there's a lot of conversations to have now about having kids you know like talking about talking to your partner about like okay can you have kids do you want to have kids like a lot of those things um god i got to think of like another word children kids seems like over (laughs) overplayed now um but i don't know like even imagining having kids now like sam and i have talked about like do we want to have a third child and you know there's things that like now we have to discuss with our doctors as far as like um you know, are, can you have kids? You know, like there's kind of like a work up to it, you know? Um, and I don't know. I just think it, it's kind of like everybody like takes it as a given, like even like the assumption, like, Oh, I'm going to have kids. And like our generation has even had like a big movement to like, just not like mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, why, you know, it's like pretty fucked up world for, you know, wherever you stand on a lot of issues. I think everybody can agree. There's a lot of things that are pretty screwed up you know um and so how do you how do you guys remain hopeful um i think you can't you can't let it get to you you know you can't help but think about these things but at the same time you prepare your kids mm. like like i was saying i feel like if i were to step out of the room my son has enough thought or like kind of critical analysis i trust his inner monologue to put it that way mm. you know i think he i don't have to be a voice in the room to be not a voice in his head, but, you know, um, for him to understand some of the lessons that I taught him. And like, I think you kind of like have these ideas of like a lot of it's going to be these very straightforward conversations like, okay, sit down next to me and let's talk about some things, which some have, you know, um, but a lot, it's just how you behave. Your kids study it and they know it. And I feel like I've become a person that it's just really kind of like, someone he can model himself after yeah, and an example I'm, yeah exactly i'm sure our parents probably felt the same way and there's always room for improvement mm-hmm. you know um yeah but i feel like a good example there there was this thing on tiktok like it almost made me cry when i saw it but it was basically saying that the person you are is who you needed as a kid mm-hmm. and i really feel like i've become that person for for everybody for you know, yourself even, even, right? Yeah. For yourself, your kids, yeah. anyone, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to say for myself, but I think it's it's for everybody. You know, like you should be the brightest version of yourself possible, you know? And I think like I just feel like I've become a, I don't know, you, you wear a lot of hats, but ultimately I've become a good version of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say a good father, you know, a good employee, a good husband, like I feel like I'm a good person. I'm the person I want to be. And I, I just want to keep building that, you know. And obviously, there's, there's stumbling along the way. But I think that self-awareness of, like, okay, yeah. if there was something I didn't like, what do I do to make it better? Yeah. You know, or, like, kind of, like, I think we all kind of, like, have these embarrassing moments where, like, they just live in your head forever after that. And a lot of them are, like, totally inconsequential like oh that was an awkward handshake when i met somebody like oh god we'll never be the same you know um you know a lot of it's inconsequential but there are also really defining moments where Uh it's like 
well, why did I do that? You know, right. why did I act that way? Why did I say that? And I feel like I've had enough of like those experiences that now those stumbles are less frequent. It's kind of like learning how to walk. Nice. Yeah. 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 Walking is a, is a good analogy. You yeah. know, you not stumbling as much. Exactly. Yeah. You just stumble a lot less, but there's some things you can't help. You know, you can't avoid, I don't know, like who put this wall here? <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's important to be like a genuine good version of yourself. I mean, especially I wouldn't even say kids, but just like the people in your life, they pick up on it. You know, like I think some of like my most regrettable moments are just realizing when I wasn't nice to like people I wanted to be nice to, or like it matters to be nice to everybody, but like your parents are a great example of like, man, you know, if I could take back all the times I said mean things to someone just genuinely trying to take care of me, you know, um, I don't know. I would. I would Absolutely. take them all back, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, Mario, I, I'm having a hard time coming up with a freaking title for this episode. <laughs> I know. We're, we're all over the place, all right? over the place, and I love it. <laughs> You're going to have to do, like, snippets. Like, this I is love where we it. talk about this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, believe it or not, we're at a little over two hours, buddy. Really? I feel like um, we've just kind of been vibing. That's, that's the point. This is my excuse to catch up with people. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome because it just feels very, like organic yeah. you know like i honestly just feel like we're chilling and like dude this has to like be like therapy for you like i'm sure you just leave here well i'm gonna leave here like on a cloud so i'm sure <laughs> you're just like i'm jealous you take this in all the time yeah no it's it's uh it's been quite a ride and i'm glad i stuck with it i'm trying to dude june i this is probably like my f- fourth or fifth in june it's like damn usually it's two per month and yeah. uh I have a backlog of like things of like, yeah, I'm running out of memory on my computer kind of thing. So, um, but I can honestly say this has probably been like a more, one of the more fulfilling episodes. And the other one that came to mind a while ago, right. is like Mason was like a very fulfilling episode for him to share his, his experience. But, um, yeah, is there, I mean, do you, if you want to be found, you want, you can plug yourself if you want. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't want to be found. <laughs> you know what, that's cool too. That's fine. I think there was a point in my life where like I would like to be found, but now it's kind of like. It's like it's, a, it's well, whatever. Well, what am I getting for it? What are you you're no, getting for? No, I know. It? Nothing but trouble. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, well, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll see you in the next next episode yeah absolutely i hope to be back i would love to do this with like a group just like i swear to god um alex I, back when this first started i was like alex and marty you should come on give thoughts on beer like help people navigate beer and he's like drink what you like that's it just like you alex <laughs> hope you hope you listen to that that's always his thing he's like do you like that yeah, yeah. that's good it. that's good keep, beer keep it simple yeah keep it simple you yeah. know All right, guys, till the next one. Peace.